Remember, if you are influenced by anything you hear on Two Douchebags and a Microphone podcast, that's your mental health issue, not ours. Now, live from the historic River Market District in Kansas City, Missouri, from the banks of the beautiful crystal clear blue waters of the Missouri River, comes Two Douchebags and a Microphone podcast. All right. What do you want to start off on? You got a subject that's like really. I was thinking this morning. I've got several stories, but they can wait till a little bit later. This might tie in with something a little, uh, some other stuff we want to include. But I was thinking this morning, partly because it was such a, a pretty day. I mean, it's sunny, it's pleasant, it's nice. A beautiful day in Kansas City. Two douchebags and a microphone. I am Mark, and this is Christopher over I'm here. I'm Christopher. All righty, yes, definitely. Let you know who's talking. You know, people need to know which douche they're yeah. angry at. Yeah. So. I'm <laughs> the douche over here, and he's the douche over there. Yes. So many, oh, Mr. Creepy. Mr. Yes. Creepy. I see the cops, I'm gone. Okay, he'll be back later. As soon as the popo leaves, he'll be here. Anyhow, go ahead, Christopher, sorry. And Mr. Creepy is occasionally hampered by his ankle monitor, but... Yeah, that thing is weird. It just starts beeping. It, yeah. sound, it sounds just like a bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you don't notice it, but we do, because yeah. we're right next to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, something I was thinking this morning was, uh, now that the NFL has had their draft, Mm-hmm. And uh, have they signed? Been signing undrafted free agents yet? Yes, the Chiefs yeah. have signed four or five of yeah. them, and it's like anything. I mean, you don't hear their name. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows about them, but everybody says they do. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. him. It's like, well, where did he go to school? <laughs> oh, uh, oh, it was a small college down uh, uh, over east. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you look it up. Really, San like, Diego? Well, yeah. it's east of something. Um, Southern Mississippi State yes. Tech. What they call those directional schools. Yeah. And I was thinking today, what an amazing time for all these rookies coming in to the Kansas City Chiefs. Because we've got a good organization. We've got lots of talent. We've got a decent-ass stadium. A recent Super Bowl. Consistently going to the playoffs. Uh, one of the best head coaches uh-huh. ever. And one of the best quarterbacks ever. Absolutely. One of the best tight ends ever. And then you add on to that, they get to come in thinking, these guys couldn't do it last year, but now I'm here. How fun yeah. would it be what for these motivation. rookies coming in? They're like, you know, these guys are, you know, they weren't quite good enough last year, but now I'm here, and now we're going to go all the way. Don't you think that's some of the psychology behind it? Honestly? Yeah, yeah, and you know, the coaches, I'm sure, play into that, which they should. You know, you know, and, they come over there kind of like army, like I bet, like. Get smack them on their uh, shoulder pads. All mm-hmm. right, welcome. Yeah, you're the difference maker. Yeah. You're going to get us back to the yeah. promised land. Yeah, and, and Mahomes is already. I've seen some things that he's done. Um, now I'm, I'm sure he's sincere in this, but the fact that he made sure it got out publicly, that's what I'm referring to, is he was saying it's going to be nice, and it's going to be it's going to open up more things on the offense to have receivers that are tall. Mm-hmm. And or, you know, big and physical. I, I, I've got a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Jamar Chase. I, I, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I, it, the difference is night and day. Look, Hill yeah. is fantastic yeah. and one of the best ever. No doubt. He, you know, I mean, it, the Hall of Fame thing, maybe, maybe not. We'll see what he does down there in uh, Miami. But, yeah. uh, uh, but anyhow, I mean, 
you see the difference. I mean, Burrow just had to get it somewhere there. Yeah. He didn't have to pinpoint it like Mahomes did whenever he hits Hill. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it was great that Mahomes and, and Hill had the had the skill and the practice and, and they had their moves down that they could make so many of those awesome you know, plays. But the fact remains that it shouldn't be that difficult every single time. I mean, time. even Nicole Hardman isn't that tall. No. I no. mean, you know, look what he does with uh, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Kelsey's taller. I mean, he's... Yeah. But you get one of these guys that are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, Mahomes just has to get it up in the air about 15 foot, and that guy's going to get it. Yeah. You got you their know? arm length and their vertical jump, and it's like, I, I can reach seven and a half feet easy. Talk. You know about how oh my god uh, now Mahomes is going to just be a really good quarterback and not a great quarterback without Hill. I disagree. Yeah, I yeah. disagree. I, I'm sure he has the ability to change and adapt. Yes. Yeah. I, I think adapt. right now he's adapt? he's licking his chops, going oh my god, look at this six foot six guy. <laughs> really? You know, yeah. I mean he's he's I I would think I don't know I have no way of knowing but I would think he's thinking man look at some of these taller guys in here on the edge get Kelsey in the middle mm-hmm. good running game good solid running game better defense yeah you know lose the predictability I, I predict lose the the uh, uh, having to go to these trick gadget plays every third play it's like, yeah the on, gadget just, plays were just complete utter bullshit I mean I, yeah, that's know. what you do when you're the 0 and 15 Buccaneers you know and you want to win you want to win that one game against <laughs> yeah. the world champion or you're trying not to not to leave the game with no points. You're trying desperately to score just something. But That's yeah, the trick the Jaguars and Jaguars would have done last year against the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and how much of that is done because they really think it works, and how much is done because they're trying to be entertaining? I think that, um, like, one of them was a favor. The Kelsey play was a favor. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and, they've been open about some of those. You know, this guy's been practicing this play ever since training camp, and he wants to do it. So. I can't necessarily argue with that. The guy's yeah. a Hall of Fame player, and uh, he just asks for one play. Yeah, you think of everything that he's given. He, was, he just wants a little something back. And you know, also, we right. can't forget that he was kind of a troublemaker. <laughs> he was. And, and he was kind of a rabble-rouser. He so got, he, he toned to all that down, yeah. He used to he, draw a lot of unsportsmanlike. Yeah, yeah, I remember like that. Grabbing the referee's flag, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, okay, he toned all that down. He, did. he changed his personality mm-hmm. to fit the Chiefs. So I think you owe him a play like that. And said, yeah. Sure, Kelsey, we want you to throw a touchdown in the NFL too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and why not? And, and I agree with it 100%. And it worked, and it was great, and it was beautiful, and everybody was raw, raw. But to me, the trick plays, I, I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but to me, the trick plays is actually kind of getting the offense tricked. Yeah. Jump start. Mm-hmm. It's like your car doesn't have quite enough power to start. So yeah. you're like, you know what, here, we're going to do this trick play, and once it works, all of a sudden we're it's unstoppable. going to fire your ass up. Yeah. yeah. Because and the first of the year, we had some offensive problems. Yeah. They yeah. had some issues where they just could not get started. And it did show up periodically here and there in the run at the end of the season. Yeah. It just so happens that the offense was that good and our quarterback was that good to overcome it. But I think some of this is designed to, you know, Tyreek being a shorter guy, you have a couple of guys on him. It's not the same as a couple of guys on, uh, um, like on a Jamar Chase or someone taller. 
Uh, there's like better examples. Moss. Yes, like a, a Randy Moss type of guy, yeah. uh, um, a Terrell Owens type of guy. Uh-huh. A couple of guys on him didn't matter as much. A couple of guy on Hill. Number one, you can't see him. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, the quarterback and he can't, can't see, see the quarterback. Him. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was ability to shut us down. It was like one of our strong points and one of our weak points. Mm-hmm. And a good defensive coordinator figured that out. Yeah. So every time we went against a really good defensive coordinator, these weaknesses would show. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, also the play and calling, I believe, was weak in a lot of spots. Now we're going to see when Matt Nagy comes back. Mm-hmm. We're going to see how much of that was just like the enemy and why he can't get a head coaching job. Yeah. Or we're going to see if Matt Nagy has some of that original Alex Smith death by paper cut in him. Yeah. I, I believe strongly in this. You do the death by paper cut three quarters of the game. Then at the end of the game, they're they're trying to stop the death by paper cuts. And then you go in and you just take the sword all the way across. Yeah. You yeah. know, And that's when you go for the home run ball. Or if you see one open somewhere during the way, you do it. But I think you stick to the program, you stick to the script like Alex Smith taught Mahomes. That, you know, that would be the way I would run an offense, um, is take the, cut. take the big play, be ready to take advantage anytime it's if the defense is there right or you got the right matchup or whatever. If the big play is there, you know, audible into it and go ahead and try it. But in the meantime, let's just get the first down. Let's just keep getting first down. Well, and I also have another theory, too. I think that if Mahomes has respect for the guy calling the plays, maybe he didn't have the same Doesn't amount of respect for the enemy. Yeah. That's why he steps on his toes at the end of the first half in the championship game, the AFC championship game, yeah. gets Cincinnati and goes to the head coach. And is like, hey, let, come on, let me, let me try this fourth down. Okay, I think if a Matt Nagy's there, Maybe he's not so apt to do that. He's like, you know what? I trust Matt. Matt yeah. says, kick the three pointer. We're going to get him afterwards. That's that's something that that admission last year from Mahomes um, made me realize that yeah, something I thought never happened anymore was the quarterback being allowed to audible into something else of his own choosing. Well, he did go ask Reed. But it, there was a point where Mahomes said that you know a play would come in and. I'm already thinking, yeah, this this isn't going to work. And already in the huddle, I'm thinking about what I'm going to audible to. Well, and then he gets to the line and he, he picks something to audible into. And then if it doesn't work, then he's, you know. Supposedly pissed. that that pissed the enemy off. Yeah. Well, the enemy yeah. got into a little scuffle with him. It's like, hey, you know. But I didn't realize that any quarterbacks were still allowed that luxury is, you know. Well, I think the coach the calls the play, but and when he comes in, it's like, like I think uh, if a, um, <coughs> let me think of somebody, a Kirk Cousins does it, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. You, you don't even mention that. Excuse me. But, but you know, I can see a quarterback or, having, you know, they tell him, okay, here's here's the play, and then he knows based on the formation personnel that these, these two or three audibles are what I have. And, you know, that's what the coach says I can audible into in this situation. But I think what Mahomes does is said, you know, screw all of that. Time for sandlot football. We're just going you know, to, you run as far as you can, as fast as you can, that kind of thing. I think that's what he admitted he was doing. It's like, I'm not, I'm not up with the, the play you called, and I don't even want to talk about the, uh, the audibles that you've authorized. It's like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And he realized, that ain't working. 
it wasn't working. You know, the, there was a reason for these plays and these audibles so that even if the play didn't work, you'd learn something. Yes. But when you just go cowboy, and, you know, not, not referring to the Dallas Cowboys, and just when you just go, you know, vigilante out there and start, you know, doing whatever the hell you want, <laughs> if it works, great. If it doesn't work, you've learned nothing. And yeah. that's what, the, what drives the coach crazy is, like, that's a wasted play. If we, you know, if we didn't get the first down, but we learned if something. If it was a design play. At least it's not a waste. But <coughs> I there took my clarity, mm, Jesus. There are too many throwaway situations last last year in games where if they'd done the smart thing on third down, maybe we wouldn't have gotten the first down, but we would learn something better for next time. As well, it is, it's like every third down was a fire sale. And they go, well, this guy didn't block right. Yeah, and This exactly. guy didn't run his route. Uh-huh. Uh, or look how much space is again. over here. Next time we call that, that's your primary receiver. You know, that kind of thing you can learn from. Yeah, but this scat. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Sam Hand the ball off six yeah. times, throw it backwards, you know, fake it to nine running backs, and then eventually the fall down. The whole thing is, yeah. you have a whole thing quarterback, <laughs> you shouldn't have to do that. No kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that, you look, I understand Andy Reid working with a quarterback because mm-hmm. he is special. Yeah. He is a generational talent. But you also have to be the coach, too. You know, mm-hmm. you also have to be like, you know what? No. But I think that at that point that Andy Reid firmly did believe that Mahomes was going to get it into the, yeah. uh, you know, into the end zone. I thought that he, he really did firmly believe that. So he's like, okay, no problem. Yeah. And you see, and that shows you the respect, like, maybe they had for enemy too. And that's probably why mm-hmm. Nagy is back. And probably why, not to bag on the enemy, he seems like a really nice guy and everything, but I think there's some fundamental flaws there. And I think it's like what you're seeing there is one of the fundamental flaws where they just don't, uh, you know, they just don't uh, believe in him enough. So they kind of override him. And I think, you Mm -hmm. know, it's probably caused some rifts. I think with Nagy there, Nagy's gonna kind of probably quietly take it over. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. But. I can see what you're saying about that play right before the half was over in the AFC Championship game, where they really probably did think, okay, this can work. But, but let me put it like this: without all the coaching experience and uh, read and all the intelligence that he obviously has. Yeah. Okay. Just all right. Holmes comes up to you, okay, and it's a uh, fourth down and goal, three foot away from the end zone. Hey. We can make the same coach. What are you going to do? Mm. You're gonna be like, okay, do it. Go do it. Yeah. You've been doing it ever since I met you. You've been doing it. What? I was, I was going to mention, though, the risk versus reward. Now, in an AFC Championship game, <laughs> I got fourth one. and goal out there, I would go for it, too. But I wouldn't call a very risky, low chance of success gadget play. That was the stupid part, is, is, yeah, going for it on fourth down was a smart choice. If you didn't make it, it's not that big a deal. But if you go for it with a trick, goofy, weird, stupid play and blow it, then you're thinking, fuck, we should have just kicked the field goal. I've got a parallel for you. Mm-hmm. Championship game this year. Okay, FC championship game. Super Bowl last year. Super okay. Bowl last year, there's like a minute and a half left, mm-hmm. and it's third down. Andy Reid calls a timeout, assuming they were going to get the first down. Yeah. Tom Brady, the look on his face was like, 
okay, you want to play that bullshit? You're saying that you're going to stop me from scoring uh -huh. if we don't stop you guys? What did he do? He rammed the ball up our ass. Mm. He was being Tom Brady. He's like, watch this, boy. Yep. Learn. Learn. Now I'm going to make you waste the rest of your time now. Isn't that kind of what happened this time? Yeah. It, they got the motivation from something that, that they said, the Chiefs said, fuck you, we're going to we're gonna ram the ball up your ass. And embarrass you in the meantime. Embarrass you, yeah. yeah. And that's when the Bengals and then they said, said no. oh, no, okay. You know, Burrow went in that locker room and said, you guys stopped him that time. We're going to stop him the rest of the fucking game. Uh -huh. And everybody believed him. They said, but they were, they were three feet away from the end zone. We stopped him. Uh-huh. You see, that's one of those desperation plays to me uh -huh. that we don't have to do. Yeah. Yeah, but, there's the risk and reward. If they yeah. had made that play, you know, it wouldn't have been any better than if they just run a straightforward run up the middle or, or Absolutely. You know, pitch out or something. Yeah. But the but the potential loss is if you blow it on a run up the middle, then you're like, eh. If you blow it on a oh, stupid gadget play, gone. then it's like second guessing, welcome home. You know, yeah. everybody in the world is second guessing everybody. And as you said, the Bengals in the locker room saying, okay, when we came in, we could respect these guys as, as athletes. But what they just did, they weren't respecting you at all. They weren't respecting us. It's, they were trying to clown us. It's blackboard material. Yeah, it, it's the like, Chiefs just Chiefs gave think them. you guys are a bunch yeah. of bumbling fools. Yep. And it just, it, they just, they just handed, with the loss, with the lack of success on that play, they handed the Bengals all the motivation they needed to just come roaring back and kick the Chiefs' butts. And, and every time it worked, each play that it worked, the head coach, you know, he's over there saying, see, I told you guys, all you have to do is that one more time. Just do that one more time. And it worked. The Chiefs were just like, I had no clue what was going wrong. It was like, what the hell? Why isn't this working? <laughs> and still after all that, we had a shot in overtime to win it. Yeah, uh, that tells you how good the, how good the Chiefs team is. Mm -hmm. um, I've and how thoroughly the Bengals were in the Chiefs' head to get exactly. them so screwed up, exactly so badly. Yeah. It, it almost makes you ponder. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, the, it was rigged. The fix was in." I mean, yeah, maybe anything's possible. Mm -hmm. I need a motivation first. I need the motivation. I need to know why this would happen. Yeah. Why someone would, would relinquish that? You know, I doubt they have pictures on the home. Yeah. You know. Um, the only so, way that makes sense is if somebody's making the money for it to turn out that way. He has all the money that he needs, and he's going to get even more money, a lot more. Yeah. So that isn't a factor. So yeah, I can entertain that, but I need a motive first. Yeah. That's not beyond the realm of possibility at all. Absolutely not. No. But. Uh, Anyhow, okay, here is my question, completely blanket. Okay, now that, you know, we lost that, uh, the AFC Championship game, we probably should have went. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the question I have is, after the draft and all the smoke cleared, do you feel better about our chances this year? Yes. Do? I do, I too. Do. I do. I do, too. I think a big, a big part of that is, is changing on defense. Um, I love Matthew. Yeah. Solid guy. Really good guy. Really nice guy. Yeah. Unless he gets on Twitter. And then, yeah. you know, but <laughs> the thing is, is this right here. I mean, I can't count how many times he was there and the guy kept running. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. His, it, it, 
for the last couple of seasons, I've been more enamored with the group of players on defense than I was with the way they were playing. Absolutely. And because you see them on paper, you're like, oh my God, Chris yeah. Jones? Chris Jones has underperformed and has not shown in the playoffs. Yeah. He, he I mean, the only time he's shown up is uh, against Garoppolo, who, who who, who might as well have bricks on his feet. Yeah, like, you know. yeah. And what's to say that wasn't just like Chris Jones's dream matchup. But it, just, you know, it was. It, just it was his yeah. dream matchup. A clumsy kind of uh, not that mobile quarterback with, with no a decent arm and... but not a great arm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> but yeah, people, me included, tend to go, but it's Chris Jones. He's awesome. And then we stop thinking at that point where we should be thinking, but is he still awesome? Is he really awesome? No, Has he been take, awesome lately? When you take two so, plays off yeah. every four plays, I don't call that awesome. I call that average. That's 500. 500 is only good in baseball batting. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, 500 is mediocre yeah. on everything else. Yeah, finish the season at 500, you probably yeah, lose your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, well, unless so, you're the Royals and you're celebrating. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're saying Matthew. He, Matthew's gone to the Saints. Mm-hmm. And I heard Dirty Dan is at the Saints too, <laughs> so they're gonna have fun together. No, okay, Dirty Dan, I got to defend a little. He bit. redeemed himself quite a bit. He, in the he, he would miss ten plays, but that one play he would make would be so spectacular yep. to save the game. Yep. So Dirty Dan was also kind of like a clubhouse leader, from what I can gather. Yeah. People gathered around him because he's a guy that was not supposed to be there. Kind of like Eric Berry was yeah. was yeah. like a big yeah. emotional leader After for cancer, the defense. Yeah. yeah. He really couldn't play anymore. Uh, yeah. the, the chemotherapy and everything that he went through on his body took out of him, but yeah. he was so good just being there, mm -hmm. you know. It was worth having a roster spot basically go to waste yeah. for Eric Berry because of what he did psychologically. I, I get why they were, I get why they had him, um, I'm not giving him that huge contract, but yeah. I get why they had him emotionally. I mean, just seeing the guy, you felt better. It's like, oh my God, you know, there's hope in the world. Look at this guy. Yeah. And besides that, he is a solid, really good guy. And I mean, if you're going to have a team full of people where you can pick their character, oh, you yeah. can say Eric Berry or Matthew. Yeah. If you take away a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I love Matthew, and I'm sad he's gone, but at the same time, I'm happy he's gone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it, it, it opens up the possibility for the Chiefs to get better. You know, after what I've seen from all the way they played last year, the way the defense, just specifically the defense played, I didn't. I think that they were playing about as well as they could mm -hmm. uh, when they were like really on on their game and playing really well and consistently. Yeah, that was like you know a really good defense. But the, I could see, you know, my amateur eye that they just really weren't capable of maintaining that level of excellence over a game and over a season. They could have flashes of it, mm -hmm. and you hope that those flashes are at the right time, but it still wasn't good enough in its present form. And so when this player started leaving and others coming in, I thought, well, it could be worse this year, could be better this year, but one thing's for sure, it's not gonna be the same old defense we saw last year. And that, right there. And that's there, good enough. That, yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. Because the defense that we saw last year was so shoddy at times. Yeah. It, it made you wonder if we could score enough points. Yeah, and then, and then, they would have like an amazing quarter of football and you think well that's there's the nothing this defense can't do but they can't play like that you know all the time 
let, let me put it in this. If, uh, if Travis Kelsey caught the football according to how many times they missed a tackle, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, or the other way, I'm trying to describe yeah, this. If, right. if, if Kelsey performed as a receiver the, the way they performed as a defender. He'd be a backup. Yeah. So yeah. you look at the missed tackles and the getaways and the breakaways and the not being there and the blown coverages, uh -huh. and he would be less than average as a receiver. Yeah. So. I mean, there are jobs where you can fail at your job more times than not and still be considered golf. good at your job. Yeah. Golf. Golf is one of them. And like you said, baseball. Baseball, you're 300 getting, average is fantastic. Yeah. You know, 400 is amazing. But yeah. you're still hitting the ball only four times out of ten. Quick fact, who was the last guy to almost hit 400 closest to 400? The only one I remember was George Brad. That's it. That's okay, No one's cool. hit 390 ever since. Nice. I think someone hit 388 one year, but no oh, one has yeah. hit 390 ever since then. Sweet. Uh, you know, the his only his only stuff, and we'll go back to football, is, is uh, home run hitting, but it wasn't a home run hitting league back then. One year yeah. he had 20, and that was considered phenomenal. Yeah, it was more about yeah. moving the base runners. Usually it was like 5, 10, 12. Yeah. So, but and, you know, if the rest of the team was scoring enough, you know, you didn't need one no, player. No, it, it didn't matter. And also, In his, fact, it was better if you didn't have clutch. one player because then you could spread them out. They couldn't just defend against that one player. Yeah. It's like, you know, hell, the whole team can hit. And, I, and I've got one word on the Royals. I think until they can prove that they can field a major league team, they should have to play in Legends Field. That's where the Monarchs or the T-Bones or whatever they're called plays. I think until they can prove that they are a major league team, they have to go to a minor league team and play there at their stadium. I like that. I'll, <coughs> I'll, I'll throw in a little mock vacation. <coughs> Excuse me. Every year at the end of the regular season, mm -hmm. they take the bottom two American League teams and the bottom two National League And hit them all in the balls? Well, okay, do that first. Sorry, okay. <laughs> and then demote them to minor league. <laughs> and then take... I love that. Take teams from the minor league and promote them to major league in their place and send the message that if you screw up so bad that you're finishing in the bottom... And they can't switch the players out. No. It has to be the players. Mm-hmm. So you're finishing the bottom like this, then you deserve to spend a year in the minors. The whole team, as an organization, spends a year in the minor leagues. I love that. It's just like um, yeah, um, that'd be cool. Uh, like Alabama, uh, most years I think could beat like a Jacksonville or the bottom feeder teams in NFL. I I swear. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I know there's a big difference between <laughs> the play in each one, but uh, and I think they that. Yeah, how about doing that with the NFL as well? You take bottom feeder teams like Detroit and and Jacksonville recently and, and whoever else and say, fine, you go play in the USFL for a year. <laughs> you don't get to be an NFL team. Who's going to buy a Detroit Lions jersey if they're not an NFL team anymore? Nobody. Uh, nobody, you're right. So they'd have to earn their way back to being in the NFL. Now that would motivate teams to actually win well, and you're, you're not kidding but so many of these teams well, just exist as they a way to they make money for a draft pick. and balance the you know win oh you're right it, it, for some teams they would be paralyzed you know it's like we can't take any chances because 
if we fail, then we're demote one of the teams demoted. Mm-hmm. But and then once you are, it's like let's do everything we can to get back up where we're, and let's hope somebody else in the NFL flames out. <laughs> we get to go back in their place. <laughs> but I, I love that team. There'd be yeah. no tanking. People would want yeah. to go. They wouldn't want to go to uh, the. Uh, minor leagues. Yeah, or, let's tank know. it for the draft pick, and then they wind up playing in, you know, Schofield, Illinois, <laughs> 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 which I'm sure is a fine place, but it ain't oh, New come York. On. No. As for a, foot, come for a football on. player, it ain't New York. Quit <laughs> being cordial. Schofield, uh, Illinois sucks. Well, I'm, I'm not real fond of most of Illinois. Yeah, yeah, it blows. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, it, it's just like the shit territory between here and the coast. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, like... As I understand, there's a large number of uh, St. Louis drivers that have the term FIB, which stands for fucking Illinois bastard. And you <laughs> use it when you see somebody with an Illinois plate doing something stupid in traffic. It's kind of so. like it's kind of like when we have uh, Iowa idiots out wandering around. Yeah. Because yep. if you got a slow car in front of you and there is a convention mm-hmm. or the Big 12 or something, well... You can and damn well bet. And the people in Colorado know all about the Utards. People the Utards. With, the people with Utah license plates that can't drive for shit. <laughs> I had a friend of mine that used to live in Utah. It's Salt Lake City, I think, for a while. And he said, yeah, Utards, it's it's a real thing. People out there just yeah. fucking stupid on the, when they get behind the wheel. Pretty much, if you see a car in Utah that has its turn signal on, it's because it was accidentally left that way at the factory when they made the car. <laughs> That's the only time it ever gets turned on. That's it. <laughs> You're like, what's this? What's I this? better take it in. Yeah. My car is making this weird blinking light and, and, and clicking sound. The, the, the check engine light didn't come on, though. I don't understand it. That's called your turn signal. It's the way you communicate with other drivers. What? What do you think I'm a fucking commie? <laughs> we don't do that shit over no, here. No, but they actually be cordial and civil to other drivers on the road. That's not how they do it in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cindy was talking to a friend of hers uh, last night, night before. Was see she was driving here from from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And she was describing some of the insane drivers that she was coming across. Just, I got I think she was on the highway, but it's people who was weaving in and out, 30 to 50 miles over the speed limit, kind of freaking her out. Reminded me of a, a trip we took recently where a, a motorcyclist came by us at at least double the highway speed limit. Because it was, it was almost like a sonic boom. You didn't hear him coming because he was coming so fast. Oh, I've had that happen. But it was just kind of an explosion of sound when he was beside us. And by the time we jumped and, and looked around, he was probably two-tenths of a mile away already up the road. He is going so fast. And then you know, a cop car came after chasing, and then the cop car just shut his lights off and gave up. There's no way he was going to catch him. <laughs> You know, at least he had enough sense to do that instead yeah. of trying to get in a very dangerous situation. It's like, fine, you got away this way, we'll get you next time. Yeah, and that's that's smart because the, the person fleeing doesn't care about the damage they cause and the loss of life or whatever. No, they don't care if they kill a couple so, innocent people yeah. or but tear the, up the car they stole. Yeah. But, but the police have to care 
And when they're they're chasing somebody and they realize, okay, so far these sideswiped three cars. He went through a school zone at 50. We gotta cut this out, or someone's gonna die. So it's better to let the bad guy go, let him get away, than to destroy a couple million dollars worth of property and kill several people and hospitalize a dozen more just because you couldn't give up and you didn't want him to get off. Yeah. No, I like the way that I like the idea of letting him go. And I do too. I love that. Someone idea. like that is going to screw up again. You'll get him next time, and even yeah, if you never him. do, then at least a bunch of innocent people didn't get their lives wrecked because of it. Yeah, and, and chances are an idiot like that probably gets off on the chase anyhow. Yeah. Oh, look, they're trying to get me again. Fuck them. Uh, yeah. Um, switching gears here. Uh, you know, I'm bagging on City Hall a lot and everything, but they did something that I really approve of here. Mm -hmm. And I want to get your idea on it too, Christopher, and see what you think. Um, anyhow, uh, KC Outdoor Dining Expansion. A bill was introduced, and uh, anyhow, the KC uh, City Council voted Thursday to make outdoor dining options permanent. The pandemic made outdoor dining a necessity for restaurants to stay afloat. So, so, uh, so, yeah, two years ago, Double Ship Brewing Company, they created a hangout in its parking lot. You know, the brewer was one of 81 businesses to do so. Oh, I see what you're, so you're talking about the, the modifications they made during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. For it's, outdoor dining. It can dining. be permanent now. Oh, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, I do too. I, I agree with it 100%. I think it's great. I mean, not only if the pandemic rears its up ugly head again, which mm -hmm. it has in certain places. Um, and there know, will be another one. You know, the uh, double shift, it's now a permanent fixture, and it's like one of their most popular fixtures. I, I mean, I feel the same way. I go there and I go, I don't want to sit inside. I want to sit outside. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 80 degrees, low humidity. Let's have some beers outside. Let's watch the people walk by. Even if it's like 95 degrees and humid, there are going to be people who want to sit outside. Yeah, it's like, hey, they can be loud. Vet, you, know? you can possibly smoke. I don't know if they have you know, smoking in the outdoor areas or not, if that's a thing. But, but still, you can, be, you can be loud. You can be out there with the bugs. You don't have to watch your language as much. You know, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I can go further on this. You know, one of the things I love about Key West is all the backyard bars and restaurants. You know, it's pretty common that a restaurant would be a smaller restaurant. The inside uh. may have like 10 tables. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you're like, man, they're not going to fit me in here. They're like, oh, we have plenty of room. And then all of a sudden they walk you around to the side mm. and there's a backyard with, you know, these lights hanging off the palm trees and, and that the big so cypress trees. You don't have to air condition that whole big space the whole time. It's free range. The chickens are walking around. <laughs> it, it, it's really a unique The children atmosphere. are free range too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that is that's so one smart. thing about Key West is there's not that many children. Because well, that's they, true. they call it Key Weird. Yeah. You know, they have some nude bars on, uh, what's the name of that street? I can't even think of the name. Duvall. On Duvall Street. I haven't been to Key West since I was probably... 12, 13 years old, so for those of you bad at math, that was like 48 years ago. <laughs> so it's vastly different now than it was, was back then. I was going to say 30, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to go back, and my, my grandparents took us all the way down through the, the Keys in their motorhome, and uh, we made it down to Key West and then drove back up, and I'd love to do that drive again. You know, what they advertise is true, though, because me and Val witnessed it last year and the year before, the sunsets. The oh, sunsets yeah. there are phenomenal. They have yeah. this phenomenon known like uh, the green blur. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That'd be awesome you to might see have that. it up here, but it's not nearly as uh, pronounced. It's not. You can't really tell it like you can there. What you do is you sit there and you whatever gadget you're using to take a picture, mm -hmm. you just keep taking them. And you will hit that green glow. Yeah. That it's only for like a flash second. I've seen one picture of it, and then they said even you know the photograph is pretty spectacular, but it doesn't do it justice. And no, it doesn't. It's just such a vivid, intense color oh, for just a brief moment of time. The different colors. I mean, you can't yeah. even get some of these colors. We can't create some of these colors yeah. that they have there. There's this restaurant there called Latitudes that we went to. It's overpriced. Mm -hmm. A lot of people raved about the food. To me, the food was okay. Yeah. It was good. There's nothing wrong with it, but it didn't warrant that price. What warranted that price was sitting there on that little island oh, on, yeah. in the restaurant on the beach there watching the sunset. Yeah. That's what it's worth. And I and I recommend anybody if you can afford it to do that one time. Mm. And and only order like one drink or something because they're astronomical then i can only yeah. imagine what they are now <laughs> really and, and for you, the view though uh, there's another place that has it dialed in on the outdoor dining and this eureka springs arkansas oh. they do it really well too there's quite a few places there you know they have all the woods and the forests and everything mm -hmm. and anyhow there's just like you know it's the same thing you'll you'll go there and they'll be like 10 tables inside then all of a sudden they walk around back and it's on this big cliff and you're oh, sitting yeah. there having some food on a cliff candlelight you know that's the thing with 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 a, with a good dining experience either a, a prominent feature that's that's awesome like an ocean or a waterfall or something or just a big change in elevation yeah, you know, yeah. give them a huge mountain view or put them on top of the mountain looking down into this huge valley it's like You'll pack those tables every time. Oh, yeah. well, well, the Crescent, the world's most haunted hotel up there at the mm. top, um, they have a pizza parlor on the very top with an observation. Well, it's not an observation deck. What it is is it's a deck that's outside, partial outside. It has a roof over it, but it's open and closed. Mm -hmm. And you can see out. You can see the big Jesus over there. You can see the, the tops of the mountains. And, uh, and, it, and the pizza is actually pretty good. It's a little pricey, like you'd imagine. And they add 18% besides the tip for all the people they don't pay enough. Wow. <laughs> so, but it's worth it to go there once or whatever. And I mean, we've been there a couple of times actually. Yeah. And anyhow, it's a very cool place to go. And the Crescent is the Crescent. There's, uh, I've been to Merrimack Caverns. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, most of the way towards St. Louis, but not quite. Uh, uh, I know where it's at. Yeah. Merrimack River. Yeah, yeah. I've I've done the cave tour once a long time back with the kids. Um, but there's also a restaurant that's in the cave. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's a part of the cave that uh, is that that caveman barbecue place. I don't know what it's called. It looked like actually a nice like candlelit dinner type is this, of restaurant. Is this the one that takes the elevator down there? No, oh, this was this okay. was like you know imagine a, a large cliff face uh -huh. and there's like a huge gouge torn out of it that goes in like 30, 50, 80 feet or whatever. That's kind of how this part of the cave is. So you're in there at all your tables and you'll see a nice dining everything, but you're actually in the cave 
but the, the the fourth wall is just open to the outside and all the oh, birds and cool. the trees and the rivers. So and this is Merrimack Caverns? Yeah. I'll look now, that so up. There's, there's no way to feel claustrophobic because the room you're in is massive and mm -hmm. there's one entire giant wall lawn. So all you have to do is get up and, and walk, you know, 30 feet and you're if out you're, of the cave. If you're a little so, claustrophobic, yeah. you could eat a little bit and get uh -huh. up and... Take but you get the, the cooling effect of the cave and, and uh, wow that sounds amazing that would be a fun place to, to go and, and eat and I'd, I'd also like to try you know rafting down the river that sounds Merrimack's like a, good a good river for that yeah um, but uh, real quick uh, to cap this off about the you know the outdoor dining in Kansas City mm -hmm. eateries uh, they must pay an annual fee of two hundred fifty dollars uh, and a six hundred dollar license and that's let's let's be honest that's not real bad. Yeah, They're I can see really them, you know, making them. sure that the, you know, the roof over your head is decent, it's not going to fall on you, and you're not right behind a trash dumpster or something. I can see, you know, there needs to be some regulation and inspection. And um, also, we have an email set up oh, uh, nice. for uh, restaurants around here, you know, um, like the West Side. The West Side does a really good job around here. And they're, yeah. uh, they're one of the few places around Kansas City that's been taking advantage of. The city market has since COVID. They're like, uh, you know, like the KC Taco Company and uh, mm -hmm. um, the Blue Line and places like that have expanded their dining out into the road where the parking should have been. Yeah. And they put up barriers and you sit there and eat and watch, you know, they've done a pretty good job of that. Mm -hmm. The Tribe up there and uh, um, let's see, what's the other one? The, uh, the homegrown place that does all organic, locally sourced, the farmhouse, I think is what they call it. Oh, okay. Those two places have some really good outdoor dining too. And mm -hmm. they've taken advantage of it here, but the west side, the, the west side is what they call it. It's on the bluff, um, just opposite on, on the west side of, uh, of the crossroads. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And anyhow, they have a few places there where it literally looked like they opened up a house, got the zoning changed built a restaurant and a lot of the uh, and a lot of the tables are outside during the summer you know yeah. I'm sure they serve cocktails and all that and uh, but uh, anyhow I mean I, I'm pretty anxious to see where this is going to go yeah I mean while we have good weather I mean I think it's a great option for you know, yeah people to sit outside and enjoy themselves and, and honestly I'm, I'm one of those people who is usually colder than everyone else around me. So if I'm wearing, you know, summer weight clothing and I'm outside, I'm comfortable. If I go into just your average restaurant, within 15 minutes, I'm so cold, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And within a half hour, my, my toes have gone numb and start to ache. And they keep the air conditioning so low in there from, you know, what I consider way too low. It's really unpainful for you me know, to be in these restaurants during the summertime. I'd rather go outside and eat because I read an article. I enjoy on myself that. a lot more. I, I read an article on that. I don't know if it's true, but they keep them cool like that because people don't linger as long. They yeah. Turnover. Yeah. People get uncomfortable after they eat and they eat a dessert with ice cream on. They're like, man, I'm cold. Let's get out of here. Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain amount of truth in that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you who's had this dialed in the whole time. And maybe this is where some uh, eateries got their idea from, mm -hmm. or maybe Key West or something, but wineries. There's this mm -hmm. place down in between Lewisburg and Paola, Kansas, just south uh -huh. of KC, just on the Kansas side. Uh, anyhow, it's called Somerset Winery. Oh, yeah, I've seen the signs for that. Oh, we've been there. You've been there. Oh, we have. Yeah, oh, you've right. been there with us. 
That's right. And it, it's literally no wonder I've seen the signs for it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just now remembered you joined us down there. You and Cindy did. Yeah. 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 I'm, okay. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful winery, and uh, anyhow, that was nice. it's on rolling hills. There's some trees, but all of their seating is outdoors. So if the weather's bad, you know, you just don't go there. Yeah. But it's on rolling hills, and it's right on a gravel road. You have to get to a gravel road. There's a big sign out there, and you know, people look it up. It'll say, you know, 237th or Knoll or whatever, you know, yeah. Knoll down there, or like way down there. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyhow, you know, it, it's a, they have a taco truck, and you go inside and get a, a charcuterie or whatever board. A, I, mean, I think that's what they call it, right? It's like yeah, it's all yeah. lots of different sliced meats. Yeah, and then yeah. cheeses and stuff. Uh -huh. You can get some charcuterie stuff like that there, or a big thing of summer sausage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyhow, some unique cheeses, you know. And they have it dialed in, man. People go to the taco truck, and uh, I'm sure they probably get a percentage of that. But yeah, you know, they go get some really good food because these people are good at what they do so they're just like hey taco truck come on down and serve some food and people yeah. are happy it always runs out of food that's how good they are yeah so. yeah and the it, art of hosting you know yeah they, they have it figured out really it well good. and you have to make reservations ahead of time because they sell out that all popular. the time yeah. yeah nice and they have great wines too mm -hmm. so being a winery they should have great wines on hand yeah. Uh, well, there's some of them. There's one down in Eureka Springs, uh, well, close to. Yeah. Um, on right off of Beaver Lake down there. And uh -huh. anyhow, it's called the Rail Winery, and it's near some. Uh, it's near an old railroad, uh, and anyhow, it's really cool. They have the grapes surrounding you that they use. Mm. And it's on a gravel road. It's on a gravel road just before. No, it's not Beaver Lake. It's the tail end of Table Rock Lake. Table Rock. Rock. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that place is really unique, and they even serve some craft beer because they don't have the bullshit law down there, oh, like yeah. they do in Missouri, where you have to be one or the other. You can't be both. Yeah. And so anyhow, so any, so it's cool. So I get my beer. Val gets her wine, and we get to sit down there in serenity, surrounded by mountain tops. It's in a valley, mm -hmm. and grapes. How much better is that? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, anyhow, oh, oh, okay, I was going to tell everybody about the email address that we have set up for this. Yeah. If you know a really good outdoor eatery around Kansas City and you want to promote it, it um, the, let me see here, we just set it up, okay. It is um, outdoor dining at excite.com. Okay. Okay, so there it is. So break us off an email, let us know what your favorite uh, outdoor joint is, and uh and we'll get it and we'll promote it. Sounds cool. All right, good. <laughs> um, Christopher is reading uh, some program material and obviously he likes it pretty well. <laughs> he is giggling. <laughs> Make him punch a cinder block wall. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. Then I got another one too that we can uh, we, we we could do that one, or we could do both. Now probably one per episode, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So Christopher, you were talking about brain maturity the other day, and uh, yeah, that's something that I saw uh, an article on. Is is a lot of neurologists are saying that the human's brain doesn't reach full maturity till age 25. 
which I thought was rather interesting because there's a there's a lot of uh, you know, consideration of maturity when they're talking about laws. You know, is a person mature enough? You know, can they handle this responsibility? Can they be held responsible for this? It's like we don't let... That brings a lot of stuff in question, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like we say, you know, if you're under 18, then your brain isn't mature enough to vote. But 18, you are. But 18, you're able to fight for your country, mm -hmm. but which to me is kind of contradictory. Uh, but but your brain isn't mature yet for another seven years. Yeah. So can you really make the decision to go and risk your life for your country if your brain is still immature? Well, number well, okay. It used to be you didn't make the decision. No, that's true. Now that you do make the decision, that's very much up for debate because uh, mm -hmm. it is it legal? Could someone get out of it with this defense? That's a good question. That's a good question. There are already people who are talking about uh, um, not making people under the age of 18 pay any kind of income tax because they don't get to vote yet. So they are not represented. Yeah, However, that's true, they're and they're not felons, so. Yeah, that's that's one of the big parts of this this country is uh, representation has to come along with taxation. Yeah, so if I you're mean, taxing a 16 year old or a 17 year old on their income, they don't get to vote. That's true. That I, they should be exempt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I really. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Yeah. I see both sides. I mean, but then at 25, I mean, I think that that right there would help the conservatives more than the liberals. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I, I, it's my belief that people get more conservative the longer they live. Yeah, and the more yeah. they have to lose. Yes. And the more often random bad shit happens to them. Yes. Like the old joke is a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged and a liberal is a conservative who's been arrested. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> it just depends on your point of view. <laughs> I, I was quite the liberal when I didn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or not much, you know. Yep. And all these, you know, sticklers for law and order, you know, let them get put in the system for some bullshit reason or for no reason at all and yeah. see if they think this law and order system is all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, uh, Try it before you vote for it. There, there's too many, for instances, of someone, uh, a prosecuting attorney going up for re-election and uh -huh. just snapping the first guy or maybe they just don't like the person or whatever, mm. you know. Yeah. I, I, oh, I man, a, a quick aside on that. What is with these prosecuting attorneys that are refusing to reopen cases when there is compelling see, evidence about I, the, I the know innocence? That, it, that should be an automatic. It should it not should be. be up to the prosecuting attorney because he's trying to protect his conviction record to further his political ambition. Yeah. So it should absolutely have, I mean, the prosecuting attorney should have absolutely no say in whether a case gets reopened. No, I agree. There should be like a board that looks that over. Yeah. A, a, a legal team, a board that uh -huh. looks it over and says, you know what? We feel they could look at something and go, oh, this is sheer bullshit. There's absolutely yeah. nothing supporting this. Yeah. And, you know, we could elect the board. They could call it like the fair trial board or something. Make sure that you don't have people on that board who are making money off the prison system. 
because they're always yeah. going to vote to keep the person in jail. Yeah. So you got to make sure that you're getting impartial votes on that. But in, yeah. So that was my little hijacking of uh, prosecutors should not be allowed to say. No, I agree. I think I think it should be a board of people yeah. and, and carefully chosen people. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe maybe they need to be voted in. And not like I have that much confidence in people voting, but yeah, and probably a little bit yeah. more confidence in the yeah. people in the system. Vote them in for a five-year term and make them staggered so they don't all get, you know, they're not all up at once every five years. You know, yeah. it's like half of them get every five years, half of them have to have to leave and get replaced, that kind of thing. But, but you no, know, what was struck me as interesting about you know, whether whether you declare a person, you know, mature enough to handle legal responsibilities at a certain age, it's, it, I guess it's been more on um, just seeing whether, you know, the average person can handle something at that age. Like, it's not like they arbitrarily decide, you know, well, you can't get married until you're 18. It's like, well, they it's like trial and error. It's like, it really, it works out okay at 18. Any younger than that, it usually doesn't work out so well because you don't really know what you want. So, they, yeah. a lot of these choices have been made over the years based on everything but neuroscience. And it's worked out fairly well for a lot of things. What I find interesting, though, is if someone could use this neuroscience and say, look, this person's brain isn't fully mature until they're 25, and if you can pinpoint what parts of the brain don't fully mature, you can say, okay, any decisions made along those lines, they shouldn't really be 100% responsible for. Uh, yeah, um, I think that that's very doable. You would have to get a really good lawyer who's yeah. able to dissect everything and break it down into, mm -hmm. you know... Uh, and but then the consequences of that, because suddenly you throw it out there to absolutely everybody. It's like, okay, well, if you're this age, then you can't be held responsible for these things. To be perfectly honest, I don't know if we need to open up that can of worms. I know, I know. But somebody, well, we I imagine hands, someone's going to try. We have our hands full with the hot button shit right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. Look at all the abortion stuff going on right now. Oh, yeah. 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 You get people mad at you just because you're a gender now. Uh -huh. Oh, you're trying to keep rights away from me. I'm like, no, I, I'm like you. I got nothing to fucking do with it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen a number of people who are posting out of anger and fear and rage. No, I've, I've just got to where, like, I'm just deleting them. It's like, yeah. look, it's like, you know I have nothing to do with this. Uh -huh. So don't generalize me into this big, you guys are, are until you fucking have a womb. I'm like, well, I don't have a womb. Yeah. And I didn't say a fucking word about your situation or anybody's uh -huh. situation. So if you're going to be like that, then fuck you. I don't need it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I've been seeing hatred, bigotry. a lot of hatred. Um, a lot of bigotry. A lot of calls for violence. Yeah. And a lot of these responses, it's, you know, all men are this way. All Republicans are this way. It's like, you're just as much a bigot and a hater as anybody else here's, who says Here's that. something that I've always tried to define to people. If you look at it, if you look at it like me, mm -hmm. I'm liberal on a lot of things, but I am a fiscal conservative. Fiscal. That means money. Yeah. The way they run stuff, taking my taxes. Running up over. monster debt. Yes. Yeah. I'm conservative on that level, but there's so many things I'm not conservative on. So I cannot be pegged under any of them. But Which if someone the heard that, they'd be. be like, oh, he wants to take my womb away. No. 
No, actually the opposite. Do whatever the fuck you want, as long as you're not breaking a law. Yeah. But don't include me on your rage. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, I'm on, I'm on their side, most of these people, what they're saying, but when they start talking about castrating men like dogs, Mm-hmm. Then no, I'm not on your side anymore then because you're an idiot is, uh, and you're a hater and you're an extremist and you're a moron. What we what we were fighting against, like uh, over in Afghanistan, where they castrate women. Well, they're uh-huh. talking about doing the same thing. I didn't yeah. hear any women going, "Oh my God, leave those poor Arabs alone." Yeah, oh, they're doing what? Well, they're talking <laughs> about doing the same shit to us, you know. But th- then again, these are probably people that don't have a rational thought in their body anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of discounted. They probably don't vote. I'll go a step further. They probably don't even fucking vote. Yeah. So anyhow, if you're one of them, fuck you. <laughs> well, you know, there's... Eat you a bag can... of shit, and then when you get done, eat another one. <laughs> so you can have an opinion and a belief, and you'll believe along certain lines. Um, and I see a number of posts where they're pointing out the unfairness you know this is unfair this is unreasonable this is not valid etc and then some of them do the the flip the script where they say okay let's imagine it was a guy under these rules instead of a woman but and I would know better knowing that my true friends would support me yeah and then and then you get the people who just want to post something inflammatory or hateful or angry, but they leave the impression that they don't want things to be fair. They yeah. just want their turn being the bully. Yes. Because some of these posts are not saying what this these you know political groups want to do is wrong. They're just saying, well, then I get to do it too. Which means you just want your chance wielding the big stick. And that not, has nothing to do with fair, that has nothing to do with just or right, it's just you want to turn being the bully. And yeah. I don't want to know people like that. No, me neither. And, you know, and, 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 let's I fight mean, for things being fair and just and rational, but if you just want to turn, mm-hmm. no, and, I have no time for you. And, and actually I come to the conclusion, it sounds to me like you probably have too, that the people who post this shit are idiots anyhow, Yeah. and they're going to be doing idiot things. They're, and I they're don't the same people who voted Lorraine Bobbitt as Woman of the Year after she <laughs> mutilated her husband. Yes. Seriously, she committed a, a, a horrible physical crime against somebody. And your only excuse is he was bad too? Again, I go back to extreme Muslims. Yeah. So yeah. It, what happens if you cheat on your spouse? they kill you mm. well what did Lorena Baba do cut his dick off was trying to kill him yeah and then throws it out throws it out somewhere so you can't find it and well, okay so then they didn't like the one they don't like when Muslim extremists do that yeah but they like it if they do it yeah no it's yeah. contradictory it's stupid and it's an Neanderthal way of thinking yeah and it's lashing out at people who don't deserve it it's all the shit that I hate in life yeah it's so then again excusing it by saying well he did it first so she just did it back to him well if it was wrong when he did it to her it was also wrong when she did it back to him yes you can't say that makes it even because it doesn't both both sides are hurt now both mm-hmm. sides are damaged doesn't make it even doesn't make it right it means it just means you got your punch in too and we'll be feel great about yourself for that you know why vote her woman of the year for mutilating a man's genitals 
And again, people like that. Voter won of the year if she took him to, to court and prosecuted him, got him thrown in jail, made a big example of him. Then she's, you know, then that's something positive and creative. But. Yeah, it takes, it to, it takes him to court for, uh, for I don't know, um, for lying, for deceiving, for ruining her life. Domestic abuse, domestic yeah, violence, yeah. Oh, rape, yeah. whatever, yeah, but for the National Organization or Organization for Women to hold her up as a hero because she cut someone's dick off. These are probably the same people they are like, oh my They're the God, same people there's saying, a guy going around killing murderers, he's a vigilante, he needs to be stopped. <laughs> See, they like it on one, when it's working in their favor, they like it. When it's not working in their favor, oh, we don't like this. And that, you know, it's not, it's everybody. I'm not just saying, you know, certain people, it's everybody. Hey, well, this is working out great for me. Yeah, I'll look the other way. Oh, it's not working out great for me. Please, somebody, this ain't fair. Bullshit. If you're gonna enjoy it when it's, if you're gonna enjoy the wrong thing when it's working for you, shut your mouth when it's working against you. Yes. Yep. Yep. I don't wanna hear it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I agree. Yep. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, yes, the all this is things going on over the Roe v. Wade possibly and being overturned, and a lot of it also is let's stir up some panic by pretending that whatever laws snap into place are going to be you know that's what laws are forever and ever and ever, and it's always going to be that way until everyone dies. Well, no, no, that's the laws that they got set up to come in. And a year from now, half a dozen of those laws will be gone, or different, or changed, and there are going to be half a dozen more on the books. Well, yeah, but and also... They're working everyone's frenzy up like, oh my god, Missouri's law is going to be this, and, and like, like that's unchangeable forever and ever. No. No, and, and the United States has always worked like this, and I'm not saying I'm for or against or nothing. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is stating the facts. Missouri and Kansas, right next to each other. Kansas says, no abortions, and Missouri says, yeah, yeah, you can have one here. Mm -hmm. Well, you can choose where you want to live. Yeah. Well, those guys are bigots, and they want to control my womb, so I'm not going to live there. Yeah. All right, well, then go to Missouri, you know, whatever. I, li I like to inbreed with my cousins. So, <laughs> oh, you moved to Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, you know. And for the people who want to pretend gay people don't exist, you move to Florida. <laughs> Except don't say, don't go to hey, Key don't West. Hey, don't say don't, you but, said that word. Oh yeah, Key West is different. Yeah, well yeah. we're not in Florida, so we can say the word gay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. if you're in Florida and you say the word gay, you better be talking about a woman's first name. Otherwise, the thought police come and nail well, you. Well, I mean, no, no, no. You could be happy. Well, yeah, yeah. And then there's that airplane, the Enola Gay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and there's yeah. a football player whose last name is Gay. I guess you could be talking about about those people, but. Yeah. Uh, I guess saying something like lesbian in Florida, that would probably get you put in jail right away. So, <laughs> damn it. So, so on my word search for porn, I can't do that? What do I do? I don't know. Just type in, you know, show me things that Floridians think doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just type that into your... Of course, that's going to be an enormous number of results. But Yeah, uh, and, and that was such a stupid move, too. Because oh, yeah. they're talking about the interim election is going to be a bloodbath. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Those two issues right there, the Roe v. Wade and the, uh, and and the, the don't, don't say, gay. say gay thing, all of a sudden people are going, hmm, yep. I don't know. 
Yeah. I've been I've been goosing. They're like people. me going, both sides are fucking idiots. What do we do? I've Help been, us, God. I've been goosing people on Facebook, just asking, are you ready to fire some people next election time? If you don't like this, then you know, fire your employees. <laughs> Who are the people we vote into office? Yeah, they work for us. They serve at our pleasure. You know, they vote did a lot of work. Out. They did a lot of work <laughs> and put a lot of thought. In, of course, they had to, to not let us know we're the boss. Yeah, yeah. Just by the way they talked, their demeanor, everything. They talked down to us. It's like the biggest reason that they don't teach about voting in elections to any serious degree in school is because they don't want educated voters. They yeah. want sheep who are going to vote the way they've been told to vote. Yes. That's what they want. Well, I mean, I think that we have uh, they, probably the... three generations of grooming, mm -hmm. of people of not thinking. Yep. You know, they make vote everything the way your so simple. Vote. Yeah. yeah. Making no popularity thing. the big thing. Is, you know, is it popular? Therefore, it's good. So if all your friends are voting this way, you should too. Yeah. You know, don't bother thinking for yourself. It's just unnecessary work. Well, I mean, I wonder where the future leaders are going to come from because uh, schools are so busy knocking down any type of uh, different, any type of leadership or any mm -hmm. type of different thinking. Um, where are these people going to come from? You know, the people that weren't happy with what was going on, so they changed it. Private schools. Yeah, that's it? Yep, the yeah. religious private schools. I know a lot of people that, That's where the future that leaders live are coming in Kansas from. City and uh, live in certain school districts and they send their kids to private schools because yeah. they want to stay where they're living, but the school district is up the road enough yeah. to where it's got a lot of the other influences coming in. They're like, you yeah. know what, I don't, I don't want stabbings at my school. I don't want you know, yeah. drugs everywhere. That's it's an interesting. And that's a sad testament well, too. True. There's stabbings and drugs in rich, rich schools too. Yeah, but it's, not as prevalent. Yeah. Uh, there was. Uh, oh, lost my train of thought. We were talking about voting and educating people. Oh, people are talking about uh, uh, one of the, one of the things people are, are upset about in Florida is, is uh, textbooks and other books in the school library that could quote unquote indoctrinate the students to be more accepting of whatever it is <clears throat> whatever it is their rich white parents don't want them to be accepting of. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, <coughs> they it, say let's face it, they've been made to look like buffoons anyhow. Mm -hmm. I mean through TV and everything. It's like, oh yeah. those old fuddy duddies. Yeah. Oh, that was back then in the forties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the complaints I hear from this group is that the teachers are indoctrinating the students, like they're they're brainwashing them. They're you know the kids don't have a chance to make up their mind and I do, do their think, own thing. I do think there's a certain amount of that going on. It was even when I was in school. And yeah, to some degree it does work. Somebody else replied, "Well, if teachers could really indoctrinate their students, why aren't we indoctrinating them to do their homework on time, come to class on time?" Be quiet well, and that big, hug is, <laughs> that big hug isn't working. Yeah. Maybe we need to go the other way. And you know, the guy has a point. He's saying, you know, just because you say we're indoctrinating them doesn't make it so. But it is far easier to indoctrinate someone to hate a group than to like a group. Well, I, it's far easier to indoctrinate yes, your student it is, to absolutely. not care 
than it is to indoctrinate them to care and do your homework on time. Well, so it's not like of, they're equal I think a lot of it is lazy, too. Yeah. Right? yeah. If um, you play to someone's natural instincts, like hate the outsider, don't do any more work and you have to, uh, knowledge is for, for idiots and fools and you can't trust anybody who's intelligent. I mean, that is easy to indoctrinate into a young mind. But trying to teach a young mind to give everyone a fair chance and help everyone out, that's a little more difficult. So it's not like they're equal, equal accomplishments. It's easier to turn someone towards the dark side. You know, they have, they have cookies and they usually have better coffee too. Yeah, um, I'm trying to find out who, uh, I forgot who it is, I think it might have been Jerry Seinfeld that said, um, he said, you know, he goes, I was one hug away from becoming a dentist. <laughs> I think it was Seinfeld. It, uh, or a serial killer, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, um, you know, I got to think about how true that is. You know, he would have been so safe and so secure, just status quo. Yeah. But his... Parents gave him enough leeway to not look, not find the side of the shore, to go yeah. out there in the middle of the ocean on his own. Yep. And look at what he did. Yeah. And people have been making points. I've, I've been enjoying this. That, you know, all throughout history, the the people who are burning the books are never the good guys. Yeah. Never. They're yeah. never on the side of right. No, you're right. The ones it, banning their... books and, and suppressing knowledge, yeah, they're never the ones who are looking out for your best interest. Mm -hmm. Never, ever. It, it never works out. <laughs> no, you're right. The book burners are always the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, it, it, they're saying, if they want to burn that book, by God, I'm going to go out and find that book and read it, because I want to know what they're so afraid of. Well, you know, and, and the term Nazi on everything has just gotten so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean... Um, I think, uh, what was it? What show was it? Well, Seinfeld had the Surf Nazi, or the Soup the Nazi. The Soup Nazi, that was yeah. funny. That, that Duke was parody. Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem video yeah. game, had the Surf Nazis. Yes. Yeah. But anyhow, the, the term Nazi has just been used so ridiculous now. Yeah. If someone says something to you, oh, that guy's a Nazi, I mean, really it's kind of lost its true meaning. It really has. It's, it's like the word hero. Yeah. You know, someone... Yeah. Guy woke up. He's a hero! Or some some kid stumbles and skins their like, knee. Balls. I'm a hero. Oh, he's a hero. It's like, oh, no, he's a, he's a victim, I guess. He got back what's up. What's the heroic he put part? Some, he put some alcohol on it. Yeah. He's not a hero. <laughs> See, the whole idea behind that is call him a hero to make them feel good, then dare you to deny it, because then you look like the asshole. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they could pitch just any, any you know, especially if it's a child, uh -huh. pick any child at random, doesn't matter what that child has done or who they are or whatever, call them a hero and special and an inspiration and nobody's got the balls to, to say you're it's wrong. It's like too much sugar rots your teeth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, uh, I had a request yeah. from uh, my friend Lona that listens to this podcast and will probably listen to this, but uh, anyhow. Some of the, some, she's going way back with this uh, elaborate prank, and I'd forgotten all about it actually. And mm. there's like, there's more on this level specifically that I can tell you about, but this is in general this elaborate prank. And anyhow, it's a really, really good, vicious 
line of events. Uh, uh, anyhow, kind of going to go into some humor now. We have, we've done some uh, serious stuff, but anyhow, my great buddy Davey, I think a lot of people know him. And, I know Davey. Oh yeah, see? So there we go. <laughs> Jesse two knows Davey. A three out of three. Yeah. Cindy knows Davey. Oh, four out of four. Val knows Davey. Five mm -hmm. out of five. Okay. Well, everybody in the whole world knows him, evidently. So. Yeah, well, you know, when we were, when we were teenagers, um, every summer his parents would go to uh, Truman Lake, and they'd take their camper there, and they'd be gone for pretty much from uh, Memorial Weekend to Labor Day Weekend, so oh, you know, wow. a good yeah. two and a half month stretch, something like that. Yeah. You know? But sometimes it would stretch into three, depending on how they felt, you know. And, uh, and so anyhow, this meant one thing, party house. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, Davey and I had some evil tricks that we like to play on the people. You know, uh, the people that all partied at the house for a while, they were all in on the gag because they probably had it happen to them before. Yeah. So you know, so uh, anyhow, you know, they they were a victim at one point, and then after they got through with the uh, the hurt and the embarrassment and the bruises. They're like, okay, all right, well, it's time for someone else. So, you know, new guys that would come to the house didn't yeah. know about this, but the people that were there for a while, they knew, they knew they were safe. So, uh, anyhow, one of the things that we would do is, you know, we'd all be getting trashed, but anyone that wasn't at Davey's house before would not know this. There was a, a refrigerator in the back room that contained all the sodas, mm -hmm. all the Dr. Peppers, all the Cokes, all that, you know, the Sprites, what have you, Mountain Dews, Dr. Peppers were all in the back fridge. Yeah. And the front fridge was full of useful stuff like food and stuff like that, okay? <laughs> so uh, anyhow, you know, we'd all be getting smashed and uh, anyhow, uh, you know, someone would wake up and they'd be parched. So they would look for something that they could drink and also have caffeine. We didn't believe in coffee back then. We were teenagers, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Coffee didn't exist. It was all soda pop. Yep. So what we would do is we would take a can of soda and uh, we would, you know, open it up and drink it or, you know, throw it out or whatever. Or probably drink it most likely. We weren't that stupid. And we would piss it. Oh. So we would take this can of uh, open Dr. Pepper, let's say, <laughs> and with all the content gone, we would piss in it, and then we'd stick it back in the fridge. Ouch. Well, like I said, the people had been there for a while, they knew about it. Yeah. The new people didn't know. Don't drink from the front fridge, <laughs> drink from the back fridge. Well, the people have been there for a while, I'd be like, uh-uh-uh, I ain't getting this one right here. Uh-uh-uh. Oh my I'm, God. Uh, I'm gonna go get this one uh, in the back room. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, anyhow, you know, uh, it would usually end up like this. You, we'd hear a scream and some cussing and, and some threats and stuff like that. And then we'd come down there and everyone would, like, no one would know who did it. We're like, what? Are you fucking joking me? And then, uh, you know, go over there if they didn't, like, throw it against the wall or something, smell and go, oh my God, it is piss. <laughs> Hey, man, we're gonna find out who did this, man. I'm sorry. So you know, and then you have a ready-made excuse like, "Well, old man, I was collecting this urine sample for my dog. I gotta take him to the vet later. So sorry, I should have marked the it." The only thing I had was a Dr. Pepper can, and you happen to be the first sucker that wasn't in on the conversation. <laughs> you know how tough it was to get that dog to pee into that Dr. Pepper now can. Now it's ruined, and it, and it had to be a day old. My dog's gonna die because you drank his piss. Well, anyhow. So, you drink the dog's piss and the dog dies. Yeah. 
That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get the sample due to that in time, and he's deathly ill. Thanks a lot, fuckface. <laughs> it's like the note in the fridge at work. You know, whoever ate my ice cream yesterday, that was actually a dog accident. So, hope you enjoyed having the shit. <laughs> so anyway, you've got the, you've got the can yeah, of So that was the, the first prank that we go on. <laughs> prank two is uh, we wait till the sun was up, right? Yeah. And it's about ten. You know, we wait till the sun had been up a little while and getting nice and hot because this is the summertime hours and all that. So we'd go around and take a little inventory. Uh, you know, we'd talk and go, oh, okay, who all was here last night? Okay, who was that one guy? Who was this? You know, oh my God, that's loud. Yeah, we got Amazon yeah. backing up here. Get the fuck out of here, Amazon. I don't like you anyhow. There we go. Okay. Anyhow, so uh, take a little inventory. And then uh, since uh, Bob's brother, he lived next door and he was older, he would come in and kind of inspect the house, you know, and kind of, you know, if anything too much was going on, he'd start telling people to leave and stuff, so yeah. uh, we kind of warned people about it, so anyhow, we'd take and go around with a board and smack people in the ass really hard, and, <laughs> and people who really wouldn't get up would take a jack bottle and start cracking them in the nuts and shit, oh. and then usually, you know, they'd be trying to get downstairs, we'd be kicking them and stuff, and they'd tumble, you know, and yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'd do it nowadays, but back then it flew, it was funny, Yeah, you know? you're and young it, and healthy enough that you can survive a fall yeah. down the stairs, most of them came, <laughs> most of them came back anyhow because we had all the people all the chicks everything all the good times yeah. yeah yeah so they had to they knew they were gonna get their ass beat or something stupid <laughs> was gonna happen but they had to so and then the final trick is, is you got hey man you got to come to this party you're gonna be black and blue in the next morning but it's so oh no, no no we wouldn't tell them that <laughs> no that's what they tell each other oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah like look man they're gonna play evil tricks like no it was it was a known factor go these guys are gonna play evil tricks on you Matter of fact, me and Davey had to find designated hiding places to sleep so people couldn't get yeah, us Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, like he right. slept in the closet in the very corner and there's like some blankets and shit. He yeah. would sleep in there so no one could get him. And I would usually go out to the garage and you could hear stuff enough in there like someone screaming yeah. or whatever and all that. So, well, But I usually woke that, up early anyhow. That'd be half the fun for the party is you're there and you realize at any moment somebody could just totally victimize you in some ridiculous prank. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we that, would be, that would be half the fun, all the suspense. You, know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get through the night and nobody has messed with you you're like, I made it. <laughs> the important thing is that everybody realized that <laughs> nobody got to victimize anybody except me and David. Yeah. That was our job. Everyone yeah. else got to watch. They yeah. knew this. They're like, yeah. nope, you don't do it, we do. And they're like, okay, you know. I mean, it was just an unwritten thing. They knew it. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow. You'd get the, way out of hand otherwise. <laughs> yeah, everyone would, be, everyone would be smacking each other on the board. Trying that has happened. Up. That has happened before. We have people yeah. fight back and stuff, then other people get in, and then yeah. just be a big melee. And, and you break out the dead fish and start slapping each other with oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's not a party until you have dead fish and you're yeah. smacking people with it. A six-pound salmon upside uh, the head, that'll get you right. Old Native American <laughs> saying, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I read it on the Internet. It's got to be true. Yeah, it's not a party until the dead fish get oh, broken out. Then, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's not, a, it's not fun until, you know, Someone gets knife poked out, <laughs> then it's fucking hilarious. So, anyhow, the last trick that we did, this was pure genius, mm. and we did this by accident. Every party on a Saturday night, there was someone that had to do the morning shift somewhere. Usually it was just one guy, so we didn't have to worry about 
doing three or four people. So, and you go, hey man, I gotta be up at 7.30, you know, cause I gotta be at work at eight. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem, we got an alarm. All right, man, make sure and wake me up. I'll get fired if I'm not there. Oh my God. Sure, no problem. <laughs> so, we wait till 7.30. And then we wake them up and go, dude, it's 7.30, you gotta get the fuck out of here. But prior to that, when they were passed out, uh -huh. we would shave off eyebrows, we would uh, oh, we would yeah. get eyeshadow, blush, makeup, foundation, <laughs> draw penises on their face. You know, way more stuff you can take yeah. care than you can take care of in the five minutes you got. Yes, <laughs> we would do all before said and then some, and then uh, you know put stuff on their back, all this stuff, and then we wake them up just in enough time to get to work to where they had to jump up and go and not question anything. Mm. So they end up going to work. <laughs> hey, I'm here, boss. You know, uh, have you looked in the mirror? <laughs> You're missing an eyebrow and you have a huge penis drawn on your forehead and you have makeup on. What? Then you can either tell your boss that you didn't look in the mirror and you've been at a party, or you can try to tell him it was a lifestyle choice. <laughs> I would have went, went to, this is what I want to do, you got a problem with it? Yeah. That shuts everything down. Just tell him it's, it's a new tattoo and it's not done yet. Yeah. What, what, you're, you're, uh, you're going to fire me because I do things a little differently? <laughs> so anyhow, there you go, Lona. That was our elaborate prank uh, I remember for this one. doing some similar pranks when I was in uh, in the band Weatherhead. Uh -huh. We would uh, we would occasionally do you know two nights out of town. Um, so we you know, we drive up on a Friday, we'd play the gig, and then we'd stay somewhere the Friday night play Saturday and uh, a lot of times on that Friday night after you're done playing you're tired but you're all worked up because you just got done doing a four-hour show so you're all excited so the first person to fall asleep was always the victim <laughs> like <laughs> of you, course. It be, you, you know, notice a pattern <laughs> yes yeah the, uh, the bass player Kurt usually came with his wife Kristen she had a nice arsenal of makeup, so if you fell asleep first, Kristen would get out her makeup and we'd all have fun decorating you. <laughs> Fingernail polish and, and all sorts of things. And, and it was usually all stuff that you could, you know, wipe off and clean up once you noticed, but the fun part was how long it took them to notice. And uh, there was one time Kurt was actually one of the first to fall asleep and, and Kristen let us decorate him. <laughs> we put, uh, uh, he had face makeup on and lip lipstick and we painted his nails and there was a point where he'd woken up and he was blurried and he kind of wiped his <laughs> hand across his face. Yeah. And then he looked down at his hand and saw the lipstick smear on his own fingers and was confused and then he held it up and showed it to us and that was when he saw the pink nail polish on the back of his hand and he's even more confused and of course the rest of us were just dying laughing <laughs> here's poor Kurt hung over his hell <laughs> he's like part of him had to be thinking how could I wind up with this crap on it's my wife's makeup <laughs> we got he and, and we got them all cleaned that's up. When you, and... That's when you walk up to him and go, you know, you know when you're drunk, you're a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. And just walk off and look at it funny. Or someone just walked by and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh we, uh, we, we know what's deep down inside there. 
with a friend of theirs, Jared, who at the time I think he was working as a as a tree trimmer. Okay. He certainly had good climbing skills because he could climb up, climb up and hang the lights, uh -huh. and just you know, like be Mr. Ape Man up there hanging from the ceiling at these little clubs hanging the lights. I didn't want to get even one foot off the ground. <laughs> But uh, he got that treatment one night, and uh, he didn't like it at first. You know, I remember him having kind of an unhappy reaction in the morning. Oh, there's, to being pe all there's people like that that don't yeah. think they deserve it. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Why me? This is bullshit. I'm going to sue. I know, whatever. We got, we got the guitar player a good one once, uh, John Axford. He was in the bathroom. And uh, he always had really nice, high-quality guitars. You know, at the time he was playing a lot of Tom Anderson guitars. And we took, you know, he had the guitar that he'd been playing that night in the case, and he had it with him in the hotel room. So when he was in the bathroom, we took the guitar out of the case, and then leaned the case up against the bathroom door. Oh! So then when he came out, he opened the door, and the case went wham, flat down on the ground, and he said. Damn it, you guys! That's, that's not good for the guitar. It's gonna hurt the guitar. <laughs> and then somebody pulled his guitar out from where we'd hidden it, and he was like, "Okay, but you still shouldn't do that." <laughs> <laughs> what if it fell? Well, you were taking it out. Yep. At the at, when I was with that band, I wasn't I wasn't drinking. So when we play drinking games, I'll, you know, I'd have to drink this water, which is you know not really much of a game because half the game is watching everyone get drunk you know and they have to take a drink gives or whatever. You a one up though you see stupid shit happening yeah. and other people don't identify with it because they're smashed. Yeah. But well, they, then they, again they, it'd be fun or smash because you'd be like ah, yeah. ah, ah. Well they came up with a variation for me since uh, you know, instead of drinking alcohol I was drinking water they made the uh, the exception is I could not get up I couldn't leave the circle to go pee. <laughs> everyone else could but, you know, since I wasn't getting hammered on water, then my punishment was I couldn't pee. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty... Yeah. That lasted a, for, you know, a while. And it was like, okay, I, I voluntarily lose, quit, whatever, because I got to go pee right now. Like <laughs> that? Yeah. Some of those drinking games went on way too long. And by the time we got back to the club to play that night, some of us were still a little hammered. <laughs> a little, little residual leftover glaze. <laughs> yes. Been there, done that. And then you got the choice, you know, do I, you know, if you're that person, if, you know, you start the gig off and you're kind of wasted, do you just keep it going throughout the gig or do you let yourself come down during the gig and by the, by the fourth set you're like, fuck this, I hate life, let me go. <laughs> I, I, was, I was talking to a guy at work similar to that. When I was younger, um, I used to have to decide because we were out late one night having some beers and stuff, and it ended up I ended up leaving that place like two thirty or something, yeah. which is rare, rare for me. You know, yeah. usually I've been asleep a long time. And a couple days later, I'm talking to him, and I go, you know, when I was younger, I used to have that one moment where I had to stop for a second of what I was doing mm -hmm. and go, all right, I got to be at work in four hours. Do I want to? Just ride this out, party, mm -hmm. and try to sober up the last couple hours to go to work? Or do I want to shut this fucking thing down, yep. get four hours of sleep, and then go in there and go to work? And usually, usually it was like, I'm just going to ride this thing through, and I'll sleep tomorrow, which I never did, because yeah. then all of a sudden a bunch of people show up. <laughs> and, uh, 
And anyhow, they're like, hey, come on, man, get the car. We're going to go over to so-and-so's. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, you know, usually take me three or four days to catch up, and then I'd yeah. have to be usually a Tuesday night. But it seems like that would be the wiser choice, is to stay awake and ride it out. When I was in that situation. Yeah, because you feel like shit, you know. You actually well, yeah. get about three hours or two and a half hours sleep because yeah. you're forcing yourself to sleep, but yeah. you still want to party. You get a little bit of bad sleep, bad, bad quality sleep. When you wake up, your body is finally to the point where it wants to sleep, but now you yeah. have to wake up. Yeah, when you get in that really deep sleep, you wake up. Yeah. yeah, and then what's even worse is while you're asleep, you can't monitor your symptoms and take steps to counteract. Like, if you're dead asleep because you're, no, you're you half-wasted. No, you wake wasted, up where you're at. Yeah, I mean, you may be so sick to your stomach that normally you'd wake up and do something about it, but you're you're sleeping so hard in those couple three hours that it just sits there and gets worse and yeah, worse. You can, like, By the time down. you wake up, you feel like total shit. Whereas if you stayed awake, you could treat those symptoms as they came up. You'd be more tired, but after the end of a couple hours, you're like, okay, I got my nausea under control. I got myself hydrated. I got some drops in my eyes. It usually worked out better because you could you had that time to start treating yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I would run into that not necessarily because I was wasted, but just because I was tired. Some of those out of town gigs, we you know I'd work all day Friday, mm -hmm. drive out to you know some hour and a half out of town, set up, play, tear down, and then I'd have to drive back to KC and get a little bit of sleep and go work Saturday. Yeah. I worked a lot of Saturdays. And then when I was done with work, I'd have to load up, drive back to that little town where everybody else still was, and go play the second night. It was like, oh, this sucks so hard. See, that's when I should have been freebasing Coke or something. You know, that's when I needed all that energy. But, you know, there I was trying to exist on coffee and cigarettes, and it just wasn't cutting it. Here's, here's something I noticed here, just kind of along the same lines, concerts, stuff like that, you know, shows. Um, I, I was thinking about it not too long ago when I was breaking all this down. And, you know, mm -hmm. back in the 80s, I went to some fucking phenomenal concerts. Oh, heck yeah. But the thing was, is I was a teenager. I was usually fucked up. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was a large crowd. Yeah. And, and it was really hard to catch everything because it was a large crowd. Yeah. You know, you get shoveled around on the floor and mm -hmm. you get penned in a corner for a little bit, got to worm your way out of there, trying to get as close as you can. So now I see the same bands. Usually it's only half the originals if you're lucky. Yeah. But it's like 200 people. And I actually enjoy it more now. I know what you're saying. I yeah. know what you're saying. You know, back in the heyday, not everybody was at that concert to sit and listen and appreciate the music. No, they're all there to just fucking ravage. Party, have fun with their friends, you know, enjoy the lights and the... You know. But when you get a small venue like um, like, like Wasp, is if they tour, they're touring again, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm and going they, to see it. If they play uh, the in, smaller uh, venues, then everybody there is there because they like Wasp and they want to see Wasp. Yes. And you're in a group of people who, you know, we're all looking at the stage. We're all appreciating this, and the and the act can just you know just feed the audience. But when you get a chaotic audience that's just there to party and have fun, and oh, you know yeah. maybe I'm going to leave in half an hour, it's not the same experience for anybody. 
Yeah. You know, the the band especially the band definitely, but for the audience as well. If the person next to you is just you know yakking and carrying on and not getting into it, it's a distraction. No, it is. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, it's a lot more fun seeing these these artists. You know, they're past their prime and maybe they don't have the huge stage production, but well, my they, gosh, they're it's gonna a have great a great show. stage show. I read up. Oh on yeah, it, yeah. They're gonna have a great stage show. And, well, yeah, uh, a band like Lost, they knew how they knew how to put on a live performance and they haven't lost that yeah i watch him blow away kiss and yeah. last tour and <laughs> i never thought any band well kiss did have their makeup off but it was still a large stage show and yeah. still paul stanley and yeah um, you know it wasn't ace or peter but i mean you know um and that's like the first tour bruce kulik was on it because mark st john developed some sort of arthritis in his hands oh wow yeah and uh and it was eric carr who was fucking awesome oh yeah i appreciate him or did he passed away but yeah i appreciated him as much as i did uh, peter chris yeah you know, different style of drummers but i thought he was just excellent in the band yeah. had his own identity an excellent drummer he's more of a hard rock heavy metal drummer yeah peter chris was jazz but uh, you know the but jazz is, works in rock and roll sometimes. It does. It really I loved, does. I loved his drumming and everything yeah. that he did. Um, so, uh, it, and I, you know, Lost came out and and I loved them, yeah. but I didn't know they were opening up for him. Nobody knew this before the internet. So me and Davey and I think my brother might have been along too. We get to Municipal Auditorium, just you know, right over there, yeah, uh, right over the hill over there downtown, and. Uh, we go there and watch him, and Blackie Wallace is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, and he had this, these large um, stands, uh, these mic stands, that it had these, like, foot, uh, like foot high, bars. Like highway pegs on a motorcycle almost. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they're like maybe three and a half, four foot up. He would stand on those things and just lurch over the crowd. Yeah. And uh, and anyhow, he he goes and I didn't know this. Uh, and anyhow, he goes, yeah. He goes, you motherfuckers over there. And this is upper deck and municipal. He goes, I see you fuckers right there. And he's going down there. Going, yeah. He goes, you know what? I used to be a major league baseball pitcher. I'll hit you fuckers right now. And anyhow, he was doing it. He was taking these posters. And just slinging them right to the people who are over there going stupid. You know, uh, one guy's like jumping up in the air and hitting the fucking seats and just knocking the shit out of himself. He got a poster. <laughs> you know, some chicks are over there fucking, you know, slinging them out there. They got a poster because he was that accurate. But it wasn't just that. You know, they're like, it had women up on torture racks, mm -hmm. uh, man, blood. They're throwing yeah. raw meat at the audience. <laughs> and it, yeah. and it was everything that I loved, and they sounded good, too. And nice. Oops. It was such a production that. that I was just like, fuck this. I hope Kiss gets sick or something. These guys <laughs> pay for three hours. Yeah. And Kiss put on a good show, but it was nothing like the energy yeah. and the intense and the craziness of Wasp. And the thing is, I think I know why they ended the the opening act so soon. Is because Kiss got tired of coming on and people going, oh, oh yeah, these guys. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah, uh, lost it such energy. And sadly to say, I never got to see them ever since then. Yeah. But I, I hopefully it will still go on November 6th in Tulsa. Yeah. And uh, already got the hotel, everything. So, yep, ready to go. The tickets. Yeah. So. There's, you know, there's a couple of things to do when you're uh, when you're a main, when you're the headliner and the opening act is getting a little too popular. Is one you can cut their their set down short. So you well, Wolf's set was cut short. Anyhow, yeah. I don't know if that happened before Kansas City or what, 
but it was pretty much six songs. But oh. they made that six songs. They made it last like an hour. Well, that, see, that's that's the thing. If 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 the opening act is kicking ass, and there's only like 20 minutes between the opening act and the headliner, then there's too easy to make the comparison. So, you, but you don't want the headliner to go on late because that looks bad for the headliner. So you make the opening act stop sooner, so they have you know less time to be impressive, and then you've got that nice gap before the headliner comes on. So Ego can, games. Yeah. So you can forget how awesome the opening act was. But yet the headliner can still start on time. Well, I, I still love this. This is along the same so, lines, but Ozzy. Okay, this is a Don't Blame Me. And this, I only had this in CD form because this is before the internet. Well, the internet was around, but not like in the form it is now. Oh, yeah. You could probably find this on the internet, <laughs> but it was a two-disc set, two-DV set called Don't Blame Me, Ozzy. And it's like two hours going through his career, Sabbath, wow. all the way to present day, which was, I believe, No More Tears. Yeah. yeah, it was No More Tears. Anyhow, it was That was great. his first farewell. Yeah, tour. yeah, his yeah. first No More Tears. No More, no tours, more tours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah now it's No More Life Tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyhow. That's the only time you really know that they're done touring is when they're actually dead. <laughs> yeah, he's got a whole wing of his mansion that they're opening up in England that's just going to be for him. Aussie Care. Aussie Care, which is yeah. sad. And yeah. Anyhow. I'm but, glad he can afford it, though. But anyhow, he had guest bands on there. No. Yeah. They have Bon Jovi and Motley Crue, and they're talking about the uh, big uh, rock festival. I forgot what it was in Russia. Oh. Us. I, 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 it might have been. Us Festival or something like that. It was a smaller name, just like Us or We or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyhow, um, all these bands were playing, you know, Motley Crue and Bon Jovi. Either one of them could have been the headliner at the time. They're both huge. They're both fighting over who was going to... You'll be the headliner, and uh, anyhow, Ozzy just walks up. He goes, "Put me on, whatever. I don't give a fuck." So we went on during the daylight, mm. and he shamed both the other bands. That, <laughs> Good that for they him. They were like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> and so that guy went on during the light, during daylight, and he made everyone go so ape shit crazy mm -hmm. that they didn't want anything else. All their energy yeah. was spent. And, yeah. And both bands said this. This wasn't just one. And both were like, "Oh my god, you know what this guy did." Yeah, yeah, and Ozzy, Ozzy basically told him, I don't need the prime slot, I don't need to go on when the sun goes down, uh, I don't need, you know, just put me on and I can do the work, yeah, I can whatever. do the work. Yeah, and he did. You know, we're good enough that we'll get this crowd going, We can put, you can put us on at 6 in the morning. Hey, so anyhow, uh, I understand you have a question for uh, Mr. Creepy? Yeah, does Mr. Creepy come back? Wait, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Here. Here, hang on. Let me, uh, let me throw out. There's like a... Oh, I, oh there. I see him over there. I see him over there. He's doing balloon tricks. <laughs> uh, okay. That's not a balloon. But, okay. No, no. Mr. Creepy tends to, uh, they're not really balloon animals so much as condom animals, but... Uh, you know what? They work. They blow up. I True. mean, I don't think the kids notice. No. No, no. they just think they're weird-looking balloons. Yeah. Ooh, this... Look, one of them said, look, a balloon with a nipple. <laughs> this balloon is pre-lubricated. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it leaves a film on your mouth when you blow it up. It's so weird. <laughs> Mommy, why does this balloon have spermicide on it? <laughs> <laughs> Shut Oof. your mouth and get away from that guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mr. Creepy, come here. So Mr. Creepy, I was kind of wanting to get your opinion on uh, 
Zumba pants or sweatpants guy. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I, I've been seeing them. This, uh, you know, it's been a thorn in, our, in mankind's side ever since they invented these fucking things. I mean, they're just horrible. They're an atrocity. I mean, the heel jacks that wear them are just, oh. <laughs> so anyhow, you know, first off, uh, you know, this brand of heel rod, they need to be destroyed. <laughs> There's no viable use for them. But, you know, here, here are a few steps, you know, to make them less comfortable in public. So maybe the fuckers will just stay at home and they're double wide. Yeah. You know, and watch, you know. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So, anyhow, you know, the one, the number one thing you can do is you, you have a loud, sharp, piercing whistle <laughs> you know, to alert the town folk of the coming atrocity. <laughs> so, you know, and maybe have like a megaphone app on it. And then, you know, so when they approach closer, you can get on your megaphone and go, attention, attention. We got a hill jack, aisle five, everybody out of the way. Oh my God. your eyes. Think of the children. Yeah, that way everybody can alert all of their family and loved ones, or even people you don't care for, just to let them know that, you know, that, uh, that the hill jack's headed their way. Yeah. You know, number two is, you know, you can grab the, uh, the uh, slops phone, and you can set a speed dial to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous to do them a favor for future and life. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, you can give said pervert a picture, a, you know, an, a, a picture-only booklet on how to dress. <laughs> you put your left shoe on the right foot, and then you put your right shoe on the foot's left, right? Yes, oh, only okay. only in pictures. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number four, <laughs> give them an orange jumpsuit and you go, I am from the future. <laughs> <laughs> and my personal favorite, and this works really, really good, is uh, you make a punch a cinder block wall for free Leonard Skinner cover band tickets. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Yeah, you want to see a heel rod go nuts, though. Oh my gosh, you'll see some, oh some my pistoning God. our biceps. He'll oh be slamming God. his hand into that wall so fast and so hard. Oh my God, there won't oh, be there won't be a cinder block wall left. Yeah. Skinner, well, I am a simple kind of man. <laughs> oh shit, here comes the cops. I'm out of here again. Fuck <laughs> this. You two fucks are on your own. <laughs> I did notice a rapidly blinking light on Mr. Creepy's ankle monitor. Okay, hang on, hang on. Man, now my earphones are all sweaty. I gotta let him use my fucking earphones when he comes in. Oh, there's like some sort of grease on it. Ah, maybe it's brill cream. Oh, it could be. A little dab will do ya. Oh, yeah. I've got an Alberto Vio <laughs> 5 story, but I'll save that for a later podcast because I want to scare everybody off right now. Yeah, yeah. So. You give somebody a get better soon card. <laughs> they're sick just because you want them to get better. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of people I can do that to. Matter of fact, I want to do the random get better soon card just to anyone. Yep. <laughs> Hope you get better soon because right now you really kind of suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need you to get better because everybody yeah. fucking hates you. Send <laughs> one of those to Taylor Swift. She could get better. Step up her songwriting game. Somebody printed out the lyrics to one of her songs the other day, and it was... And she didn't even write them. It was just, like, the same phrase. 
over and over in slightly different ways. You know, it's like ooh baby something something, and then baby ooh baby ooh, and it's the same line, just that same line over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And, over, and, over. and then they showed a song next to it from, uh, written by you know, some metal guy, and it was you know intelligent, thoughtful lyrics, you know that had meaning and. You know, and I think it's, it's, I think that was. I think that went that way because metal guys got made fun of. So they're mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm going to start writing com compositions yeah. with uh, different meanings, three or four different meanings, mm -hmm. uh, different, you know. Drawing on literary references that I yeah, really yeah. would know. Yeah, like, throwing, in, uh, throwing in horn sections, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, no, and the, the whole thing is, is what that proves is, it doesn't sell. Uh, ooh, baby, ooh, baby sells. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the people who want that kind of music aren't really, really interested in listening to the lyrics and figuring out what they mean. No. They just want some noise going in the background. Well, the Beatles were the king of that. They're the, oh, the ditty. Yeah. The, they wrote ditties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine they, the, the glory days of songwriting back then. You only had to come up with about two, two and a half minutes. And it didn't, and none of it had to make sense. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's about all the room you had on a 45 back then was two yeah. and a half minutes. So that's all the song you had to write. Yeah. That's one verse and one chorus. Until Pink chorus Floyd came repeat. out. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, those like, son of a bitches. Yeah. Okay, side two is one song. <laughs> Actually, the, the DJs the loved it. Oh, yeah. oh, I can take a dump and get a head job. The album Metal, M E D D L E, was the one that came out right before Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, yep. It had the and was that what still was Sid? Uh, no, Sid Barrett was only I think on their first album. Uh, Piper and Pace. He went on Animals. No, no, no he, he, went. he left back in the sixties, early late sixties. Wow, that long ago, huh? Yeah, yeah. How come his name still carries so much, though? Then? He was... Because that wasn't even his sound. Well, he, he was a huge part of the, of the early band. Mm -hmm. He was, at the time, uh, had just model good looks. So he was you know, the ultimate rock star, pop star. I got he it, had, yeah. He had the looks, he had the talent, he had the voice. Unlike the two that were... Yeah. He was lead guitarist and singer, I mean... And they had a, you know, a semi-hit with CMLE Play. Oh, uh, okay. And so they started touring, and he took just a boatload of LSD. Yeah. Just constantly. Didn't he go insane? Oh, it fried him bad. On their first U.S. tour, Pink Floyd, um, I think that when they were in L.A., they stayed at that, uh, the same house that the Alice Cooper band. Uh-huh. Alice said on his radio show, he said one morning, I, I remember coming down, and there's Sid Barrett sitting at the table having breakfast, and he's staring at the box of cereal like it's a TV showing cartoons, just giggling his ass off staring at this box of cereal. Uh-huh. First thing in the morning, he's just... And he notices you know, Sid's guitar leaning up against the wall, and he's like, wow, that's not safe, so he goes over to get it, and it's just beat to crap. Rusty strings missing, just, just trashed. And the Pink Floyd's manager said, "Yeah, Sid forgets his guitar. You know, it's fallen off a truck. It's been run over. He never plays it anyway, so we don't care. It's just something for him to hold." 
he never plugged it in, never turned it on, because all he did was stand there at the mic and stare at the audience and rule on himself. Occasionally say a few nonsensical words, and the rest of the band had to try to carry the song without him, because he was just so wasteful. Wow. And that's why they brought Dave Gilmore as, you know, well, we need another guitar player and singer on stage, because Sid's not holding up. That was a good move. Yeah. And then came the fateful gig when uh, they, they had a gig and they just conveniently forgot to tell Sid and never went around to pick him up. So <laughs> and Sid didn't know. With Dave Gilmore in his place. And Sid was drooling in the corner. When Sid found out about that, he was pissed. Was he? Absolutely. Because he thought, you know, well, Dave Gilmore is my friend and here he's stabbing me in the back and stealing my band. So I had this big falling out. Uh -huh. uh, Roger Waters, the bass player, and Sid were real good buddies. Uh -huh. And um, so Sid went into a mental hospital. I remember that part. When they were recording Shine On, You Crazy Not, I Wish You Were Here, mm -hmm. uh, the one after Animals, or was it before Animals? Hang on. I think it was after. Yeah, I think it was the one right after Animals. Yeah. But anyway, they said this guy showed up at the studio. Uh -huh. This middle-aged, hot-bellied guy with no hair and you know big blubbery lips. Like, who's this guy? It was Sid Barrett? Wow. He was just this hot-bellied, average-looking old man. Uh -huh. And you know, here's Pink Floyd. They're all looking, you know, rock star and long hair, and he just looks like he's some old washed-up town because he's his whole life has been ruined. I mean, his brain. He can't really do anything. He has to be taken care of. His mm -hmm. And while they were there, they were all like shocked, like, oh my God, that's Sid. And it really shook them. And uh, I think it was Roger, Roger Waters, made arrangements for Sid to have some studio time and, and try to record some stuff. And during the show, they played some of it. Uh -huh. It was just, it was like, imagine a five year old picking up his. Big Brother's guitar and just kind of beating on it. And that's kind of how it sounded. It was, there's just nothing left. No talent, no musicality, nothing. Wow. Just so he on. just like wiped his mind clean. Yep. Wow. It's like he, he was right on the verge of stardom and he chose to destroy his mind instead. Wow. Yeah. So all the you things know, that could have been with Sid Barrett, you, know, you never yeah. know, you never will know. But and then he died like a few years later. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So, well, I think what it was was um, he was one of these people that you couldn't give everything to because he'd find a way to destroy it. Yeah. It's it kind of kind of like the same trajectory as uh, Jim Morrison. Yeah. Who was never really destined to be a long term rock star. He was kind of. He didn't really want it. He was no, tortured. He no. was like. He didn't, he didn't want the fame, the publicity, the big crowds. He was he trying was, to get his message out, and he was good yeah. with that. And then, like, yeah, people. He was, who? He was uh, Navy Admiral, wasn't he? You know which mission he was in? Uh huh. The Gulf of Tonkin, which is what brought us into the Vietnam War. Wow. Oh, you know, when the Gulf of Tonkin commission ended. Has it ended? It ended. Oh. You know which day it ended? The day Jim Morrison died. No shit. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're we're, uh, we're doing a we're doing a podcast, okay? Oh, Just like you know, what's your name? Brandon. Brandon, nice to meet you. I'm Mark. This is Christopher. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's obviously like the whole '60s movement, the entire countercultural thing, uh -huh. entirely CIA influenced. 
Oh yeah. yeah no kidding. Kind of, there's a documentary on that how the CIA introduced drugs, specifically hallucinogens, into the pop music to try to control it. Oh no, I did know that. To try yeah. to wipe out but the like, protest part of it. Right, but if you yeah. look at like the whole movement was specifically to get the anti-war crowd into deadheads. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so they like infiltrated everyone with drugs, and you know all of the they put on Woodstock. And if you look at the paternal lineages of most of the popular culture music at the time, mamas uh -huh. and the papas, Jimi Hendrix, a lot of military parents, all military intelligence parents. Holy wow. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. That was kind of a warm-up for what was it, the 80s when the CIA sold crack to fund yeah. the uh, yeah, I mean, Contra War? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, like, again, ever since JFK was assassinated, the CIA has been running the world. Now, what's your opinion on that, if you have a minute? I mean, uh, like, well, the kill shot was obviously done by the driver of the car, which is why Jackie Onassis crawled out of a moving vehicle while there were snipers present because there wouldn't be any other explanation to crawl out of a moving vehicle with snipers unless the shooter was in the car. So, that makes perfectly great sense, yeah. doesn't it? So it's not like some guy in the gutter or anything. It was the guy, it was the driver with a pistol. The guy, it wasn't the guy on the grassy knoll. No, 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 no. It was, yeah. it was the fucking driver. No, they, they created the these theories to throw everybody yeah. off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and again, the whole point was for, uh, was it Jager Hoover who became the... Uh, the yeah. CIA director? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's... No, that was FBI. Yeah, or was it FBI director? Yeah. No, J yeah, that's right. FBI for... But, yeah, I think... Who it was, was CIA, uh, then? Uh, I'm not, not sure exactly, uh, but, like, again, it's a giant, you know, it's a giant play. Every president is selected. They're not elected. Uh, uh, we agree are, 100%. Are you familiar with the fact that every president, except for the eighth president, Martin Van Buren, is related by blood to the same man? I've heard that, but I didn't know that it's, was his true. His name is John Lackland Plantagenet, and he signed the Magna Carta. So every single, every single U.S. president... I'm related to King John. How come I'm not president? <laughs> <laughs> You're not evil enough. Yeah, you have to fall into the, you have to be a 33rd degree. A 33rd, yeah, I do know what you're talking about there. You know, this, this is, I told you this is a place to do a podcast at. This is. The most interesting people show up here. Yeah, man, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, if you look into, another thing you should really look into is, uh, it's more, well, obviously the whole counterculture movement thing was supposed to be started in Cape Ashbury in San Francisco, but the real actual beginning of it started in Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, and the Air Force had a, uh, a building in Laurel Canyon, Laurel? Which, which is allegedly where they filmed the moon landing, Stanley Cooper directed. Uh, but it's, uh, Jared Leto used to live there, it's called, um, God, what is it called? I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the building. But it's on. It's right. You've heard of the Wonderland murders, right? Yeah. yeah. It's right. It's it's associated with the Wonderland murders. It's right next door, and it and the murders happened on the anniversary of the Air Force uh, filming location. No kidding. I, I got I got Laurel Canyon is where the Manson murders took place. I think. Uh, Laurel Canyon no. is is related to that. Uh, but. Yes, yeah, that's where the murders took place, the Sharon Tate murders. Yeah. Uh, but again, like yeah. uh, that, like Manson obviously Because that's where the record producer used to live, exactly. and then he moved. Correct. So yeah. he, he had the layout of the of the building because but, he was there before when the record producer... But I don't believe that's his actual motivation for why he targeted that particular place. Oh no, go ahead by all means. Well, because again, you have to realize that like the entire anti-war crowd 
the military intelligence attempting okay. to turn them into like murderous deadheads. Uh -huh. That's why they put him forth with those with those you know things. Because he didn't kill anyone. Like he didn't. No, he didn't. And that was they had a hard time. Stuntman Shorty Shay. Yeah. But yeah, that whole. That whole Vincent Bugliosi helter skelter theory. Yeah, exactly. Utter yeah. bullshit. Absolute utter bullshit. Yeah. And Manson was quoted as saying, I am okay if you convict me, but convict me for the right reasons. Right. Not this stupid helter skelter crap. Yeah. You know? yeah. Convict yeah. me for the real reasons. Because, yeah, he didn't kill anyone. He, but again, I, I believe he was put in that place because of who he knew. Because he was like, he had a lot of friends. In oh, the, yeah, in the scene. a bunch of influential yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a pretty good musician, but he couldn't, yeah. get, a, couldn't get a record deal. So, so many people came in and what out. What was the deal with him and the Beach so Boys? Easy to infiltrate what, was, what was the deal between him and the Beach Boys? I just Beach remember. Boys tried to get him a recording deal. Yeah. Well, we're going to introduce him to, what was the guy's name? Dennis. Dennis uh, O'Leary? O'Leary. Mitchell? 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 Oh, I'll be right back, actually. Uh, okay. But, but yeah, I just, I just got to deliver this. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Awesome. No, to check it out, though, I just want to finish that one thought. So, to make all the hippies look like lunatics, that's obviously the, the purpose of the Manson trial. And, um,. And yeah, yeah, and obviously, like Jim Morris's father was running the Gulf of Tonkin, setting up the Vietnam War, and it decommissioned on the same day that he died, right? Uh -huh. uh, the 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 big blue bus, Timothy Leary, the Deadheads, the the whole that whole acid movement, um, all CIA direct connections. Um, the, the entire counterculture was, in, in and of itself, was was manufactured for sure. 100%. That would tend to explain why it was so seemed so easily successful. Right. Yeah. And didn't absolutely. Run into a lot of serious opposition until it was time for it to run. That's a great point. It just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And, and even though some of those guys are brilliant, they're still, they still got someone in their back pocket, you know what I mean? Like, I love, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, not so popular, but, um, the other one is, uh, McKenna, Terrence McKenna. Oh. I love Terrence McKenna's work, but like, you know, who's funding his, his discourses, you know? And, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, like, uh, I, I gotta remember the name. I'm gonna look up the name of the Air Force building in Laurel Canyon, uh -huh. from which all of this manifested from. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, because, obviously, they tried to play it as, like, Kate Ashbury, but that was, like, some Jerry Garcia, like, made up bullshit, bullshit for, yeah. for, for the, you know, for the narrative to be pushed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let me just drop this boot off. Okay, here all right, cool. It's amazing. Isn't it? I, I have seen it a documentary. It's either on Amazon Prime or Netflix, but it's you know CIA, CIA drugs uh, counterculture movement. And it I haven't watched it yet, but it lays out how it was it was orchestrated to control them. Mm -hmm. you know, imagine the panic in Washington where all these students rise up and they're making effective change. Well, they're actually swaying public opinion. Yeah, and the thing is, is the first thing tried to discredit it. Yeah. And, and like, oh, you know, those crazy drug-taking hippies. But then when that didn't work, they had to go to different actions. And, yeah, they, and, they couldn't just say, well, they're all potheads. Hey, you can't trust potheads. Well, they made sense. And they were telling the truth. So, actually, people didn't give a shit mm, whether they were potheads or not. No. They're like, these guys make more sense than you guys do. But think about it, in the 60s, 
20 years earlier, pot was, was not legal but very widespread. 20 yeah. years before that, it was legal. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, why would people get tense all of a sudden over people smoking pot? You know, because movies like Reaper Madness. Yeah, and, Reaper Madness was a big one there. Yeah. Yeah, that was all uh, William Randolph Philip Morris. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted his timber holdings to retain their value, so yeah. he had to destroy the possibility of him. As yeah. a paper crop. And, and you saw um, Henry Ford's hemp car, right? Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, an entirely hemp plastic vehicle that ran on hemp oil. And in, it was in the 30s. You know? So, like, they were obviously, they made gasoline obsolete at that time. Well, the original diesel engine was designed to run on biodiesel. Yeah. It was yep. not, it was, it was just. It was peanut oil, right? Yeah. It was peanut oil. Something yep. that was alternative. Well, as a matter of fact, you, you can run a car on hydrogen. They have hydrogen cars. Yeah, they, well, hydrogen on demand is a separate type of hydrogen, which is actually uh, what the CIA has been murdering inventors about over the last 20, 30 years. Uh -huh. Some guy made a water-powered buggy, mm -hmm. and he was poisoned during a meeting with uh, some, like, I forget which bureau, but it was an agency of, of America. Yeah. And uh, he, he was poisoned. He ran out into the parking lot, screamed, I've been poisoned, and then he died. And he was the one who invented a hydrolysis mechanism that could split water into hydrogen and oxygen gas. And then he, he set up a series of bubblers so it didn't accumulate too much in the engine to cause, like, problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that's basically all it is. You, you, you make electrolysis plates, you run uh -huh. water through it, you split the atoms into, or you split the molecules into uh, hydrogen and oxygen gas, uh -huh. and then you burn the hydrogen and oxygen gas, but you only make as much gas as you need to propel the vehicle, so you don't have an accumulation. Yeah, you don't have an accumulation. You can actually run that experiment yourself. My, my oldest brother did that. He put uh, two wires down into some water and sealed a jar and they ran a current through those wires. Yeah, it's called a Hoffman apparatus. That's and they the just, he just waited and, and you know, each day I'd look at it, the water level had gone down a little bit, but it's, the water wasn't leaving the jar, it was just turning into hydrogen and oxygen, free hydrogen to free oxygen. That's pretty freaking cool. It burned out that little motor because it wasn't designed for that. But <laughs> You can get like a hundred miles to the gallon on water. Wow. Yeah, that's how powerful it is. That's why they don't want you to hear about it. Oh, yeah. And Another cool thing is it's water. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you can also use seawater because it needs an electrolyte anyway. So oh, yeah, okay. you, yes. you don't even have to do salinating. Uh, it's kind of amazing. But, of course, the uh, Rockefeller petrol standard oil cabal conglomerate is, uh, is like, you know, enforcing their... Well, they demonized it. Yeah. And, oh, that doesn't work. Yeah, the and what cigarette happened? industry was, has been suppressing the marijuana industry for decades. Oh, God, yeah. Well, they started out with their reefer madness stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, oh, man. It, you know, how absurd that, well, if you uh, if um, if a black man smokes uh, pot, he's going to come rape your white daughter. Yeah. What, a, <laughs> yeah, what a fucked up premises. That's stupid, racist, ignorant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the idea of just like anything from nature being outlawed is... It is. It's, it's absurd, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. it? Especially when you have nature pushed on everybody right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it, everything they do is organic and fresh and local. And I, like, I like Carlos Santana's viewpoint on, on that is, you know, anything from nature... He, he's okay taking like peyote, mescaline, yeah. uh, 
it, when it gets he, bad is when man like, screws with it. Yeah, he said created things like LSD won't touch it. You know, yeah. Heroin that's been so processed, cocaine has been so heavily processed. Meth. Chemically, <laughs> made, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if I can go pick a, a plant and smoke it, that's, that's fine. You know, that's, that's as far as I want to go. Hope he found something. Okay, so it's called Lookout Mountain Laboratory. Okay, and it became operational exactly 666 weeks and six days after the founding of the Tavistock Institute and 3,303 days before the launch of Apollo 11. And this is the alleged to be the film location of Stanley Kubrick's version of the moon landing. I'll be damned. And uh, it's, um, the, the Wonderland murders happened on the anniversary of this building. It happened on September 20th. And um, wow. there's some Wonderland connections in there too. You know that from all the cop shows I watch. If you have time, I want to expand on a couple of things. I want to get your version on this because you're very well read and you have a wide mind. You know, you're yeah. accepting a lot of different ideas. I, 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 the, the solution to it all that holds everything together seems to be this thing called Gematria. Uh -huh. And Gematria is basically a secret language hidden within language in which an alphanumeric, a numerical value uh -huh. to a word is established based on the arrangement of letters. So A is the first letter of the alphabet, so it's one. Z is the last letter of the alphabet, so it's number 26. Then you, you add the, the letters and the words together and you get a numerical value. Yeah, because everything is numerology, basically. Exactly, yeah. and then so what they do is they take the value of these words and then they correlate them with the distance between dates in the Gregorian calendar. So, you, you for instance, like um, one example, the word earthquake equals 107, okay? Okay. And this company uh, named Robinhood Markets, it's uh -huh. founded in the San Francisco Bay Area. It was founded on the anniversary of the San Francisco, um, the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Is this is it this was, the one that has the app and all that? The Robin yeah, yeah, Robin Hood, the one that's in the news recently. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Jamie okay. Short Squeeze stuff and all that. Yeah. So Robin yeah. Hood is actually um, was founded on the 107th anniversary of the earthquake in San Francisco, and the word earthquake was one. Okay, now why would? What's your opinion on why they would do that? Um, well, I mean, that's a much larger kind of disassociated thread from what we're talking about uh, in relation to the Golden Gate Bridge, but, um, and it's like hidden meanings. But again, the reason why they're doing these things in sequence and uh, in numerical order has to do with, um, I mean, the creation of the universe, it goes back to, it's, it's allegedly like, you know, God created the, wor uh, the word and then he said, let there be light. So the, the word being the foundation to the physical reality, okay, is what is referenced here. It's the same stuff that they're doing when they're reading the Torah, uh -huh. and they're trying to come up with the numerical calculations of the Torah, because it's, it's more regularly known in Hebrew that a letter is equal to a number. Like, it's, it's already identified. But in, in English, it's been, yeah. like, suppressed heavily. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like many people talk about it, like Manly P. Hall mentions it. Uh, a lot of people in the Theosophical Society, people who understand like the, the, um, the bridging of the gaps between science and spirituality, the reason they're doing it is because of the nature of this universe and how it is numerically fashioned. And
and and through the word of God. And that's what they're trying to like connect with. They're trying to like do the work of God, but like they're inverting it. I, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Inverting the principles. And I've heard stuff like along the lines, not quite what you're going into, but I've heard this for a long time about how they try to replicate it and do the and break everything down into numbers. Even commercials on TV yeah. use numbers to sell. Whether it's flashing or what they say according to their value. You, yeah, 100%. Are you familiar with what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I am. I, I follow it uh, religiously. They, but... they call it something. Um, there's a term that they use regularly in it that they put into commercials and even TV shows. You know, like product placement. Say this is a Pepsi cup, okay? And like, let's say it's the new uh, Batman movie coming out. Pepsi pays them a lot of money to have this cup next to Batman. But they do it subliminally yeah. without you knowing it right. with flashes, yeah. numbers, everything, and it all anyone that could decode it can tell you what it's actually trying to get across to you. Yeah, and if you learn Gematria, you can see that pretty much every major established institution uses this code in order to conduct their schedules. And because they're trying to match everything up with like the greater cosmos, yes. like they're trying to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that's what creates manifestation. If you're in in phase with the greater cosmos, then you literally become identical to it energetically. Well, I was I was wow. going to say earlier with all the talk shows I watched, anniversary dates are a big deal. I mean, that's how they catch a lot of criminals in real life because anniversary well, yeah. dates are a big deal and they mean a lot to a lot of people. Yes. So, someone who would dismiss that as, oh, anniversary day is just coincidence. Well, no, we, live, we live in a society that everything's an anniversary anyhow. It's like you get with your uh, girlfriend or significant other or whatever, the time you meet them is an anniversary. The time you started dating is an anniversary. The time you uh, propose is an anniversary. The time you get married is an anniversary. Like anniversary of someone's death. Yeah. Anniversary of so a dog's death. Here's Jim Morrison as an example. This is a decode done by someone on Twitter by the name of Brother Berg. His handle is Extra Capsa, and this is his work. Um, but so for Jim Morrison as an example, he was 330 months, three weeks, and three days old on his final night alive, which was exactly three months and three weeks after he moved to Paris, and 33 months, three weeks, and three days before the death of his girlfriend, who found him in the bathtub. And, and she didn't really find him in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the bathtub's a very interesting thing, too. I mean, a lot of people have died in bathtubs, like uh, Whitney Houston died in a bathtub. Elvis was a shitter, though, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, well, it was a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. clogged him up. Yeah, it so was. There, a there is a symbol behind the bathtub thing. There definitely is. I'm, I'm not 100. percent Come on, we all know he's trying to rub one out. That's how he yeah. died. Come on. Man. Well, there's also like a lot of weird deaths recently too, of like people being hanged on their own doorknobs. Yes. Which is yeah. Like, what uh, I mean from and Epstein. You can always blame it on. You know, well, Epstein wasn't a. Yeah. Epstein yeah, wasn't a doorknob. Epstein was uh, right. allegedly. But, but even then, from, yeah, 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 there was no like, doorknob where he was. But like, but you know what I'm saying? How like, the it's fuck still, does that happen? It doesn't. It doesn't. Michael it's Hutchins from NXS. Oh, he was uh, one of the first ones. David Carradine. Yes, David Carradine. Yeah, and then a lot of those guys like Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain and um, uh, Chris Cornell. I'm pretty sure they were all hung by their doorknob. With a black, with a black tie. Uh, or a black piece of cloth yeah, from the doorknob. Like what yeah, is it's, a similar? It's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. But I mean, that goes the, the way. If you follow this, because uh, like again, gematria isn't just like it's every institution. It's it's how they 
script sports, for instance, how uh, all Masonic sports are scripted, baseball, uh, football, basketball, and um, those are all occulted astrological rituals, like basketball, for instance, represents, the ball represents Pisces, which if you look at the basketball, it has the symbol of Pisces on it, it looks like an H. Oh, it really does. And then the symbol for Aquarius is an urn, which is what the hoop is. So it represents the age of Aquarius going into Pisces. Or sorry, the age of Pisces going into the age of Aquarius. And, but again, they're doing it in a way that they're two teams with two goals, so they never actually progress. So like, it, you know, it creates a dualistic opposition that allows for no progress. And that's exactly what sports is all designed for. Uh, football, again, the shape of the football is called a vesica Pisces. Uh, okay, it's all, it all is like Kabbalistic uh, and astrological references um, that bring everything in. And then uh, everything with sports is scripted. Um, like who is traded when and who breaks their leg during what game. And you know that it's just—it's incredible. Well, basketball has been the most, most notorious because it has been admitted that yeah. they influence games at the very least. Right, and and so an interesting thing outside of that to bring the basketball into the whole death rituals is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant um, died right before the coronavirus pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Just and, right before. And he, he was buried in Corona Del Mar. He was. Yeah. And he, he was. was. Yeah. That's right. And uh, yeah, there's a ton of shit with Kobe Bryant. His, uh, I, I can't think of it all. Well, right supposedly now. he was part of the elitist. The uh, um, he's in the Boule Society. Like, yes. Uh, most most every black person that's in the public eye has well, gone like the uh, what's his name married to. Uh, uh, Oh, we're hitting maximum recording time. Um, I think it's an hour. But, uh, uh, okay, uh, like, uh, damn it, I forgot his name. Uh, Joe Camel. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, you're talking got, about the goat you're talking uh, about? Oh, uh, oh, yeah, the goat, too. Yeah. I'm talking about the, um, the guy that looks like Joe Camel that is married to Beyonce. Uh, oh, Jay-Z. It looks like uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah. Yeah. Jay yeah. Well, Jay Z's a good example of what we're just talking about. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, with his, yeah. his he's always doing the symbolism yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, very, and very clear. he's like Beyonce really in your face about it. Beyonce is really interesting too because uh, she has she's one of the few people who has who has actually claimed that the person that she is when she's on stage is actually not her, yes. but a demon that possesses her. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? There have been a lot of she, a lot yeah, of performers she, and musicians coming out talking about the rampant pedophilia and. Satanism. Well, what about our government? Well, yeah, I mean, that goes back to Lady Gaga, Macaulay Culkin. It goes to his power that it possessed by ruining a child. Not killing him, but killing him. Well, it has to do It has to do with a lot with the mechanics of disassociative identity disorder, primarily. Because what they're doing is they're actually, this is the method by which they create Manchurian candidates. He just so, made yeah. a little bit of sense out of it right there. Yeah. So what they're doing okay. is they're sodomizing children before the age of three or five so that they can have an electrostatic charge that fractures their brain stem and creates multiple personality disorder. It's literally using Kundalini against a person. And it's it's forcing them into a spiritual experience before they're ready for it, which literally electrophysiologically shatters their brain stem. I got a question for you real quick because I want to get this in on the podcast. Yeah. Is it satanic? Satanic ritual abuse has to do with, um, Satan represents usually like separation, right? Like the principality of separating yourself from God, you know? And uh, yeah, so I mean, they call it satanic ritual abuse. Um, whether or not all the practitioners are 
worshiping Satan directly, that's like up for debate. Because again, the, they're doing it for their own reasons. Yeah, and again, most of them are probably are ignorant, and most of them are probably just being told to do a certain thing in order to get a certain, you know, cause and effect. Like, you do this, we'll give you this amount of fame, or we'll give you this contract for this number of, you know, whatever. Um, but a lot of people lose uh, what the satanic elite want in their followers is broken people who mm -hmm. have their closest thing to their hearts taken away from them so that they can maintain control. For instance, uh, Eric people can't organize. Yeah, like Eric Clapton's yeah. son yep. who died, right? Yeah, the baby. Yeah, exactly. So, like, just stuff like that. They take whatever's closest to you in order to pr promulgate your fame in, in their institutions. Um, satanic, Luciferian stuff, that's, that's like, I mean, that's more occult. And I don't... I think it's completely and utterly real. I do too. In its own regard, but it's just the way that people are interfacing with it may or may not be entirely. Right. Like, There's some people that are just using it for their own ends without really believing anything. 100. It's everything is inversion because again, darkness has no creativity. You are currently listening to Deep Sky. This is a name we came up with this guy because uh, he really doesn't want to be identified. Um, anyhow, he's very entertaining. He has a lot of information. He's very intelligent. Whether you believe it or not is up to you, but there's no doubt the guy's intelligent and he's very entertaining. So just like us, enjoy. You can unravel it all later. Whatever. This sigil here of Lucifer connected with Satan overlaid on the four Kabbalistic worlds. So this, for instance, here, this is the, uh, the devil tarot card. Mm -hmm. And you notice like the, the geometries here, the horns, the staff here, this wing here, this uh, pentagram here with the wings here, and the VS, right? Mm -hmm. so, now, if you, so if you take the sigils, right, you get the V from the Lucifer, the S from the Satan, okay? You get the, uh, the wing and the staff of fire here and here. Mm -hmm. You get the, the tail here, tail here. Okay, you have the crown, which is, uh, if you look here, it looks exactly like a goat. Oh, wow. And uh, the goat face right here. Uh-huh. Okay, and you have these, like, this, like, but there's also this, like, superior being where he kind of looks like a, a jester, where it has two eyes, a nose, a mouth here. Hmm. Uh, wow. That, that, to me, is, like, really awkward to look at because it's very similar to something I've seen during DMT experiences, which is very trippy. Um, but but this is the devil card. Like the devil tarot is the using the seals. No, no, I'm very and, familiar with yeah. it because I know people that use the tarot cards. And anyhow, they always describe to me the devil card is more about vices, what gets in your way, what what bothers you, which is in stone songs. Uh, the devil represents the lords of the gate of matter. So really, what he's doing is he's he's the one who decides who gets to be real and who doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so the people have, yeah. people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, everything's inverted for the most part. Um, okay. So, like, I mean, but again, the devil, yeah. The de Satan is the king of the world. And that's what all of the occultists are, are believing, and that's why they worship him, because he's actually the king of this realm. Well, yeah, if you look yeah. if you look at it and you believe it to scripture, this he is the king of the world. Look at everything. You go out there in Kansas City and how many people are getting murdered, how many people are cheating on other people, how yeah. many people human are backstabbing them, yeah. human trafficking. 
this world is shit. Yeah, and look, uh, look and over there in uh, you know in uh, Ukraine right now. And then this and, is know. the and this is the dumbest state um, in the sense that it's the only one dumb enough to have two federal reserve locations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's just like uh, that's actually a good point. It's it's pretty ridiculous if yeah. you ask me that like how much they buy into it. And uh, but yeah, look at all these demonic sigils. So this is bail. Okay, bail fits perfectly. Uh huh. Right. This is uh, coincidentally, you know, I I noticed Bale being used in movies um, here recently. Bale is the um, is the as, is the king of, of hell, basically. He's, yes, he's the ruler of the seven. He's like the demon demons. of demons. Yes, yeah, exactly. And he's been used in several movies. I wish I could remember what the name of them were. As the bad character. Yeah. As the as totally. the. Uh, I mean, anything with the with the root word ball, like B A A L or B A L L, basketball, baseball. Uh, like no, they're all they're never thought about ball. that. It's ball. It's ball is like world. Yeah, and it's yeah. sphere. It's a sphere yeah. too. And if you notice anything about like geometry and power, uh, spheres are horrible shapes for energetic energetic flow. Yeah, that's true. They're, they trap. Energy. They like yeah. They're like a stopping point. Yeah. Really. What, what the egg would be the preferred geometry for resonance of yeah. life force energies. So. That makes um, sense. So the balls are very restrictive. Even the also the other thing too is uh, you just follow the black cube, right? Like if all of the um, all of the Abrahamic religions, they're symbols. Okay, you have the um, Christians which worship the cross. Mm -hmm. You have the Jews which worship the star, uh -huh. and you have the Muslims which worship the moon. Yep. But the Muslims also have a black cube that they the hodge that they that they worship around oh i didn't and know that it's a black cube just a straight i knew black about cube. the crescent but i had no idea about right it. okay but if so check it out though um where else do you see the black cube if you turn a cube on its diagonal and you spin it you get a six-pointed star like the jewish symbol and if you take mm -hmm. a cube and you unfold it you get a cross you get a cross wow so every abrahamic religion is worshiping the black cube of saturn and uh -huh. saturn represents satan Satan represents the archetypal forces that hold everything down into matter. So the reason they're worshiping hexagons is because that is the shape that traps life force energy into a position. So there is a matrix here that's based wow. on hexagrams that's keeping us from exiting the matrix. And the recycling process is called reincarnation. So we're being reincarnated in a false prison matrix on a local level because some overlord has taken over this region of space and created a mechanism by which our souls cannot escape and they get reinserted into this. And they also lose their memory every time they incarnate, which is not a normal process, apparently. Yeah, so um, the Indians have known about this for a long time. Oh, the, they've, the been, they've been Indian, on, yeah. yeah, yeah. Indians, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, and also, too, though, the Native Americans have, uh, and have a lot of stories, um, the Hopi especially. The Hopi know a lot about, like, the origins of things. Uh, they, they know the, the ant people, but the ant people could very well be the same people that the Bible is written about. But they're, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I believe that the, uh, the, the lineage of the Old Testament, the Bible, is actually the bloodline of the colonizers of this planet. Um, so, like, they're not the good guys. Like, the Christians are worshiping Yahweh, and Yahweh is Satan. Okay. And his brother is Lucifer. Okay. And, um, so, and Lil Yahweh, the, the Old Testament God, is archetypally indistinguishable from Satan. Wow. And, um, and his brother is actually the, the progenitor of the human race, because it was his DNA that created people. 
Sinker. His name is Anki. Hello? You ever seen the movie Prometheus? I'm just talking yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Remember sure the beginning where that guy goes down to that planet and then he dissolves himself so his DNA will create life on that planet? Yeah. That's kind of a, a like a simplified version of what, what you were just saying. The movie Prometheus? Yes, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. where the guy dissolves and his DNA seeds the planet. And that's exactly it, yeah. yeah. That, that has to do with the Osiris story and like the, but it's, but it's predominantly, it comes from the Anunnaki, which are from Nibiru. Uh, which uh, they have a caste system, and they are lizard people. Like they, they look like amphibians. So, um, like the ancient Sumerian statues of these frog-looking entities—that's like an actual depiction of what these entities. Doctor so Who, slightly different note. A little bit. You All these people with, with these uh, with uh, their luggage with them, getting ready to go back home, wherever. Yeah. Basketball. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, this, oh, yeah. This, big basketball yeah. Tournament. I mean, they, like right there, there's someone with luggage. Yeah. The, for the this, ball game. this town's very sports enthusiastic, which. Uh, uh, face it, we got nothing else. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's, it's really a sad thing. I've, been, I've lived here for a year now, so it's like. And it's, it's starting to wear on me a little bit. Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles. So oh, okay. So, so I'm, yeah, like going backwards on the. That would make trail. sense on your <laughs> yeah. expanded. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a cult. Capital of the world. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is. So Always much, has been. Yeah, that, yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. In Pasadena, especially, it's like the Theosophical Society is there. Oh yeah. Uh, and just all these amazing cult. Oh yeah. It's, it's Scientology is, is there. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. and they're fucking. They're really well, amazing. we got a big hub of them now here in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen the building here. It's yeah. not anything compared to the real estate they have in Los Angeles. Well, it's funny because I see how they lure people. During winter, they have this winter wonderland out there. Yeah, it has yeah. these big candy canes and these giant elves and stuff. Come on in. Bring your kids on in. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I get it, man. It's, it's really funny. I mean, like... No different than a mega church. Yeah, I mean, but look yeah. at look at what these churches are doing. I mean, look at fucking Christian Christmas. Look at Christmas. What in the fuck do the it's symbols pagan of Christmas just... have? It's actually from a uh, mushroom cult. It's entirely based on a, an Egyptian Osirian mushroom cult. That really? worships the Amanita Muscaria, the red and white mushroom. I'll kill you. <laughs> Every single symbol for Christmas is uh, is an Amanita Muscaria symbol. So, um, so Amanita Muscaria grows. Uh, they, mushrooms bloom at night, so you would naturally go at the longest night of the year, which is December twenty first, uh -huh. and then you would go hunting. You would bring a reindeer in order to go hunting with it because they sniff out the mushrooms and they eat the mushrooms, and then they pee out the mushrooms, and then you drink the pee and you get a. Uh, <laughs> what people would do to get stoned. I know, that's what I'm saying. I love this it. is what they used to do. So you can't really imbibe the mushrooms uh, yourself without getting sick, uh, unless you dry them appropriately, mm -hmm. and or you pass them through a reindeer. And so the way that you would dry them appropriately is you would put them in a stocking over a fire, or you would hang them on the pine tree that they grow on. So that's that's basically all the symbols. Of that makes a lot. And then you you eat the mushrooms, and then you go to the North Pole, mm -hmm. and you meet Santa's helpers. And, and the Santa's helpers, the elves, what they're actually doing is they're energetic, uh, like, elementals. And they are actually creating matter out of sound and light. So their job is literally creating presence, creating presence of gifts, creating, creating gift of presence, creating now, creating material reality. And um, so, and, and yeah, the, the whole North Pole thing, it has to do with, you know, your kundalini and the imbibing of the, um, the psilocybin or psilocin. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the color scheme, the cookies, the milk and cookies, the cookies are a mushroom cap, a yeah. dried mushroom cap. Because the Amanita Muscaria cap is red with white dots. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. wow. So it exactly. looks like a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. So every single Christian Christmas symbol, uh, including the three-day drying period, because it, it's all it's all based on the fact that the, the longest night of the year is December twenty-first, and then you can't see the day, the length of day grow for three days. Yeah. So then on December twenty-fifth is the first day that you notice that we're going into the new season. The, yeah. So it's the rebirth of the sun. Trios, trios of things are, are powerful. Yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah. I had a great time talking to you. I yeah, you too, man. You ever read the book Imagica? Hey, uh, here, hang on. Imagica is an excellent book. It has a whole different take on you know the five dominions, yeah. you know the reality we live in, totally. and a whole different take on you know Jesus was a reconciler, not a messiah. He was there to reconcile yeah. the dominions back into one. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's like, a really interesting read. Here, man, we come up book. here a lot and just bullshit. Yeah, me too. I'm here like. Honestly, every day almost. Really? Yeah. All right. We, we well, else? Like my spot. You were like Monday or Tuesday yeah. at this time. And yeah. yeah. Uh, here, let me write down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, no, yeah. I can't do it because I'm recording, but yeah, hang on. Okay. Okay, I'll just write down here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I love to study this stuff primarily. Okay, uh, tentatively, our podcast is going to be called Two Deuce Bags with a Microphone. That's yeah. Right. That's, yeah, <laughs> Only like we it. don't have a microphone yet. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, it's really good. I like it. I, I, uh, I've been, like, flirting with the idea of getting into the podcast. You theme, should. But I just I, I just don't want the negative tension, uh, especially with, like, gematria, because it's, it's basically the killing it's the code by which murder is done secretly. So, like, obviously, no one using it negatively is going to want the information exposed. Yeah. And I've just had some very surreal experiences, like trying to put out information. Like, I'll, I'll like do a decode, and then something fucking unexplainable will happen to me shortly thereafter. Yeah. Well, here, uh, I'll tell you what. The next one we do, if you choose to want to be a part of it is we'll go into some different stuff like uh, theories on cryptocurrency. Just yeah. theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like what you think totally. it might be, what it's going well, to. It's clearly, it's obviously the mark of the beast. Everything that we're, what's going on right now is like Revelation oh, absolutely. 13, 17. We're like, we're literally in the book of Revelations right now. Yeah, with, we are. With, about the only time yeah. we're in there is like right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. remarkable. Uh, and then we go away, which is very concerning. Uh, I mean, I'm... Or at least the way I read it. I, I don't believe in the way that they preach fear in those religious texts. Obviously, oh, I, okay, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I don't mean it like that. No, what yeah, I mean no, is the omission sure. of us after that is what gets me, because I don't think I see any mention of us after this. That's interesting. I, I think, I think that again, it's all about. I think that we've been here a lot longer, and uh, than than they claim to be. I think the entire origin of it. I'll be right there. I mean. Look, I mean, they can't get anything else right. Why do they get this right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, Why all of a sudden they got this one gem, this yeah. one gem, and everything else is shit? Right, no, and it, but it's very interesting. I think that the biblical, uh, the uh, antediluvian, like the, you know, the, the flood, yeah. like there was a world before the flood. Uh, yeah. And I believe that the flood did kind of like... Cleanse the world, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, whether it be sent by God or if it was just like a plasma apocalypse based on the you know position of the planets. And yeah, stuff. it could have been. Yeah, you know, uh, but it's uh, but could have been a tidal wave. I Who think, the hell I knows? Think everything that we're going through is directly related to this like plasma apocalypse that I know is coming because the Earth's poles are shifting, so that they're they're trying to prepare us for this like this inevitable future. 
and um, they want it to be like the Georgia Guidestones future, where there's like only 500,000 people in the world, and everyone else is just wiped out. I got to look it up. The Center for Disease Control had these statistics out, and they had like the world marked down in like 10 years to like 100 million people. They're 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 never accurate with their projections of how much they want us to die. No, I, I know, but they, I mean, coronavirus being like the prime example, like they're totally inflating numbers in order yeah. to get their like you know uh, to get their. Uh, what's all about central banking digital currency? It's like mm-hmm. the whole reason that this whole shit is happening is because what the injections most likely really are is an attempt for them to hook us up biologically to the Internet of Things and the, inter- the, the Internet of Bio Nanotech. So that's why they're injecting us with uh, paramagnetic-like uh, substances. And um, do you know what the substance they use to track this injection is called? It uses a bioluminescence, and it's called luciferase. <laughs> luciferase. Lucifer, A-Z-E. Yeah, Luciferase. Lucifer means light bringer. Exactly. So what they're doing is they're bringing yeah the light, god of light, and yeah. they're using light bio, you know, bioluminescence to track these things around your body. And not to mention they're using um, like uh, graphene dioxide or graphene oxide, which is like a paramagnetic uh, thing that can they can use frequencies to build structures, nanostructures. Yeah, I've heard of graphene. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's just like, it has to do with, like, carbon nanotubes type stuff. You know? Okay. Star Trek uh, stuff. I, yeah. I've got yeah. something on a slightly different note. My mind's going everywhere because yeah, yeah. this conversation is. But, okay, when people die and then they come back whenever, later, whatever, you know, yeah. they see light. Lucifer. Yeah, it's the false light. Uh, it's the false light. Don't go into the light. That's what I always yeah. thought. Don't ever go into light. Yeah. Go, go into your heart. Because that's one thing that has never, never been uh, argued. Yeah. Everybody sees this light. Right. No, that's, that's the false light mechanism. Uh, they say that the actual moon itself is the has a nuclear machine inside of it that they're using for this recycling program. There, there, there's literally a sole recycling plant inside of the moon, and um, and basically it's you know it's a it's a nuclear reactor that snatches your soul as it tries to es- escape the. Uh, because oh, yeah, okay. when you die, you maintain self-awareness to a degree. Uh-huh. And then you can either continue with self-awareness or just dissipate into nothingness, depending on how self-aware so you are. So you kind of speak your own existence, like everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't maintain that awareness, like if you go into the light rather than into your heart center, the heart of hearts... Uh, then you will get distracted by all these holographic spiritual like fourth lower yeah because er, er, yeah like because everything requires food and uh-huh. uh, even things in the fourth dimension things without bodies things plasma entities they still need food in order to survive they need energy yeah, yeah. and wow. so so that's why they set up these parasitic um, and you know soul traps yeah. for for large planetary bodies of people to oh. fall into their system so that they can be. Uh, it's called loosh. Loosh is the life force energy that is taken against your will. Your, your mention of abstraction really struck a chord with me in uh, Frank Herbert's Dune books. He mm-hmm. talks about Gafla, the gadfly distraction. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one little thing that's a distraction, but it can totally ruin your life. Right. Because yeah. you're distracted by this little thing, and then everything momentous yeah. happens. Well, distracted driving. Right. Yeah. And it kills so, you. And so in Dune, 
spice is loosh. Yeah. It's they're, yeah. they're indistinguishable. So like the way that they're getting energy is through through us, you know. Just like how the money system works, you know, mm -hmm. recently. Like we are the collateral for the debts that are be, being taken out by the government. Well yeah. That is scary and it we are, yeah. 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 We really are. Yeah. Soylent green is people, but yeah. soylent green is money. Yeah. And money yeah. is made out of people. Yep. And every dollar in circulation is someone in debt. Yeah, yeah. It. indentured servants. Yeah. We all are. I mean, by this society. Yeah, oh, okay. talk right. hey, we'll talk to you soon, okay, man? Yeah. Well, uh, meet you. All right. right here. All right. Sounds great. That was cool. That was very cool. That was awesome. You see, man, the, this stuff attracts stuff like that. I've noticed this a long time ago. Yeah. It does. This is it. This place, and then the sheer fact that we were doing our first one today made that happen. Yeah because there's something about the attraction of when you bring on these type of subjects, it brings in certain people. It, it's, it's great to, to talk with people who are open to possibilities. Yeah, no, no one's ideas. saying they're absolutely right. People are saying that this is my idea from what I've read and what I've yep. studied and what yep. I've noticed. And the fact is, we all perceive the world in our own way. We all we read everything differently. Me and you, I yeah. we can read the same article and I'll go, oh, that means it's bullshit. And you go, man, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. Well, even on a more basic level, the, the actual physical world we live in is so incredibly complex uh -huh. and full of information and sound and light and everything. And we can observe just a little teeny tiny bit of it through our senses. There, there are creatures living on our planet right now that sense the world in ways we can't. Mm -hmm. And you know, we sense the world in ways they can't. Only a person who can sense everything simultaneously and understand it all really knows what reality is. Yeah. And so far there isn't anybody like that. Our brains aren't big enough and complex enough to understand the amazing complexity of the real world. You know, theoretical physicists do the best they can, but they're still limited by our fleshy brain that can't comprehend the magnitude. And think about how your brain is your enemy so many times. Oh, yeah. Like constantly. It's your best friend, you breathe, you you look, you know, and all that stuff. It's also your biggest enemy, too. Yeah, it, it knows create, how to it, destroy your It creates so many problems for you that are not there, yeah. <laughs> It like has this ability of like things are going too good. Let's see what we can fuck up today. Yeah. And you know the person who says, "Well, this is the physical world, and that's all there is. Just this physical world." Blah, blah, blah. No. No. Uh -uh. This no. is all we can perceive. Well, it's like it's like that old joke. It's like you know, a uh, what was it? A guy walks in with a toad on his. Uh, into a bar with on his shoulder, yeah, and he's like, you know, hey, um, when did this happen? And the toad goes, well, it started with a bump on my ass. You know? <laughs> yeah. All perspective. There are, there is a school of thought of theoretical physicists that what we experience as this physical world is a simulation that is running inside some vast theoretical laboratory. Yeah. And there apparently is evidence to suggest that, not prove it, but there's certainly evidence showing that it can be disproved. It is a possibility that this is all just... You know, well, yeah, and, and the art of proving anything, 
you can't. It's, it's so wide open. It's yeah. just yeah. It's like I mean, I who the hell knows? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it could be an illusion. You know, I could be simulating that sound. I could be creating illusion that you're seeing it. You know, we could be somebody's thought. Yeah, we just got carried away in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Who knows? There's, I, I, I like being open to possibilities. And oh, me too. Ideas. Yeah, none of them are probably right, but it's fun to think about, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, you take a little bit from here and a little bit from there and a little bit from here and you come up with your and own you ideas. you come up with your own ideas, yeah. your own hypothesis, I guess, yeah. you know? It's just like... From what this guy was saying, it sounds like there have been a lot of people putting a lot of time and effort into, you know, codifying all this, writing it down. Well, I've I've known about this stuff forever, but he's like really in depth. I just did the broad strokes. Yeah. I knew about all the symbolism and everything that goes on with everything. Yeah. I, I mean, especially like selling stuff. It's all just like uh, subliminal advertising. Yeah, biorhythms and uh, um, uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, the whole biorhythm thing kind of surfaced in the. 60s and early 70s and then it faded out and then it came back because they realized that they can push thoughts and uh, and um, not only push thoughts but read thoughts read your reactions and some of it is just getting very much in tune with the senses you already have yeah I mean if you think about it all of this is stuff that you already know if you think about it yeah I mean, a poker player can look at his opponent and figure out, you know, is he fluffing, does he have any more money, is he desperate, yeah. is he They're really good ones can read yeah. people. And that's, it's not an extra sense they have, it's just they've developed the ones we all have. Oh, yeah. So we are capable of way more than we ever do. Yep. So, to, to, to claim that this is it and this is the best and this is all, it's not. This is, this is like... In order to claim it, I'd have to prove it. How can I prove it? Yeah. An ant crawling across a tree limb thinks, that, you know, this is my entire world. This is all there is. And he yeah. couldn't be more wrong. But yeah. that's all he can perceive. We're perceiving all we can perceive. It's just like the theory, and I don't know, I believe it could be true because I've been downtown Kansas City how many years now, over and over. Every now and then, I notice a building I swear I've never seen before, mm -hmm. but it's old. It's not yeah. new. It wasn't just erected. So they say that the Native Americans could not see the ships because they couldn't fathom it. They're like, nothing's out there. There's nothing out there because it's just that big body of water. Yeah, yeah. Imagine uh, someone 500 years ago seeing uh, like a F-14. Yeah. Doing a low, low, uh, low altitude, high speed pass. They I would mean, have absolutely no way to describe what they saw or figure it out. It would just. I think it would just skip right on. It would just skip right on by yeah. after a while. It's like just to forget it ever happened. Yeah. So. They, they originally saw it, and they're like, well, you know what, that, that couldn't have been anything. Yeah. That couldn't have been anything, I so. Just yeah, I just dreamed that. Yeah, it probably does become a dream after a while. I remember when I dreamed that crazy thing. And went <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are you still good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just got the yawns today. Okay. It's so. one of the side effects of my antidepressant is oh. freaking yawning. Okay, cool. Pandiculation. Is it working pretty good? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I've tried to get off it several times. Just 
if it's working, just stay with it for now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it has some side effects, but not that big a deal. Okay, that's cool. Good. Oh my god. Talked to my brother last night. Which one? Uh, my oldest brother, Mark, who's handling my mom's estate. That's the one that's going to South Africa? or what? Yeah. Okay. Um, he called. Do you want this on here? Oh, probably not. You have been listening to Two Douchebags in a Microphone podcast. As always, we thank you. And if you would like to leave a comment for the show, we have a phone number for that. 1-877-DOUCHE-9.